Welcome, welcome to the Carl Vibe Show. We are live right now on Facebook, YouTube, and believe it or not, even Twitter. I figured out how to do that the other day, so that's really cool, you guys. But yeah, we're going to roll through the intro right here. We've got a return guest today, but you know, this is a special guest. Every time we have Brad Voorhees on here, we have a madman in the house, certifiable madman. He's building a free energy device in his home. He doesn't even know if this thing is going to teleport him to another dimension, if it's going to explode his house, if it's going to suddenly save the world and solve all of our energy problems. But he is the man for the job. And every time I have a conversation with him, I learn something new. Uh, we connect in a different way and we've become good friends and uh, we chat all the time and check in on each other, even at a personal level. And I feel like now in my life, it's like my friend circle is changing and it's like I'm a part of a team of X-Men. I've got one guy over here, a good buddy, Brad, who's building a free energy device that's probably going to work someday and shock the world. I've got friends that build Dysianine goggles so that you can see into the etheric realm. I've got professional remote viewers that help find missing persons and do all kinds of stuff. And here I am in the middle. And every time I do meditation, I'm told that I'm supposed to be some kind of a mouthpiece. So here I have this show trying to get all my friends out there and get the message out so that we can try and change the world. That's the purpose of what we're doing here. And Brad Voorhees with Sonic Gravity and his device for free energy. We're going to be exploring all that today and talking about that and go wherever it goes, because every time I talk to him, we go down deep alleyways and we explore the maze of reality and the universe and human consciousness and you name it. We go down that rabbit hole and we go deep. So uh, without delaying any further, I'm going to be taking a look at your comments as we go. But let's bring in uh, Brad Voorhees from Sonic Gravity. How you doing, Brad? Hey, Carl. It's great. Thanks for having me. Dude, that was like yeah, the really best the best intro I've ever done. That felt like it just flowed out so smooth, right? Yeah, I know. I was like, man, <laughs> who's this guy? Who's this guy he's bringing on? I can't wait to meet him. I have to turn so, my I have to turn my brain off and just let that intuition kick in, and pretty yeah, soon the, the truth just flows right out. And uh, here we are again, Brad. Yeah. You've been you've been working on this device in the. Do you have it in your house or your garage or where are you building this thing? Well, the first one I built uh, halfway. I built at Falcon, at Falcon Labs. I, you know, uh, Mark Sokol. I started it over at his place, and then I finished it um, on my deck, and then, uh, and then, so I tested it on the deck, and it worked really well. I think I dropped about a half a pound or two and a half pounds uh, of uh, mass. And the, the whole idea is, is this electromagnetic field generator, right? Yeah. I essentially, I build this rig, I put it on top of a scale, right? And if it works, it should reduce the mass of the rig itself. Right. And so it should essentially, when I put it on the scale and turn it on, it should just get lighter. And that's how I know if it works or not. So the first one actually got some really sort of definitive resonance and it dropped like a couple pounds and then swung back but it was oscillating about a half pound lighter than it was at rest. So that was really kind of awesome. Second one I thought would be a lot better because I made it spin really fast and all that, that didn't really work. Um, that wasn't, that was not, um, uh, that was not a successful, that was a bust compared to the first one. And so, but this one that I do is going to absolutely rock. I mean, it's going to be insane because what I realized was, okay, so the way it works, let me just rewind for anybody who doesn't know. 
So yeah. there's something called a Faraday disc, right? And so you have two magnets like this. And then if you spin a, a, like a metal disc in between it, essentially the magnets like shove the electrons away. And so you get a plus on the outside of the disc and a minus on the inside of the disc. And it's like a battery. And so then you connect it. And then once you have that circuit, anytime you have a circuit where electricity is flowing around, you have a magnetic field. You just right. get one. Right. It's like the physics. And so, but in a, in a Faraday disc where you're using a disc to spin, <clears throat> your magnetic field blows through the disc. So it blows through the disc and it comes back around back in, in the back of the disc. Mm. And so... So the way the Tic Tacs fly, right? So anyway, so this, imagine a magnetic field that's, you know, blowing like a donut kind of. Right. So like a Taurus energy field. So yep. you're kind of emulating the the actual like atmospheric field, mag electromagnetic field of the earth and basically everything. Like you're just taking like a fractal of that and doing it on your back deck or whatever. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so the, then uh, that, that's exactly what we're doing. And so Imagine a magnetic field that it has a high left-hand electron density that if you want to know about that, you can check out my podcast. But, but the, what it does is um, instead of a full disc that pushes a, a constant field out, what I did was I made it spokes mm. and I made, I made it the magnets around it. Instead of like one fork that was a magnet, I put magnets all around. And so what happened was what the whole idea is, is that, when you have when the spokes and the magnets line up like this you have a field when they go like this you don't have one when mm. they go like this you have one when they go like this you don't have one and you spin that around really fast and then your field is kind of going off on off on off on off on so it's and almost like you're creating like an electromagnetic binary like a zero one zero one zero like so the spokes go from aligned to misaligned and so it creates pulses and then you're yep. and then you're, i'm just trying to grasp this yeah and no, then you got and, it and then That's you're exactly. using that torus field which is already existent in nature and naturally wants to go that way yeah and you're almost like a a reburner you're curving that energy back in on itself so it becomes like a over over energy oh yeah, yeah it's oh, like, a like a over, over that's why they call it over unity devices yeah yeah okay. so it bumps and the thing is okay so when you think about quantum fields, right? So it's like, imagine your TV, right? You're looking at your TV. You got all these little pixels, right? In your mm -hmm. TV. Inside each one of those pixels is like a color element, right? Like one's red, one's blue, one's green. And so inside each one of those teeny pixels, if you like, you know, change the combinations or they flash or whatever, like if you leave the red and the, and the blue, you get a purple, right? Right, right? And so you can make all the colors in the rainbow in each pixel, with different combinations right so imagine you you're looking at your hd picture and you turn off all the blue and the green ones so all you're looking at is different levels of red and so sometimes it'll be bright red sometimes it will be nothing because there's no red there but when you look at all the red all at once that's like the red quantum field in your picture right right and then if you did only the blue one, and so you saw blue all the way through, that's like the blue quantum field all the way through. But when you take the blue, the green, and the red, and you put them all back together, boom, all of a sudden, you have a full HD picture on your TV. Right. 
So now imagine like the Higgs field, right? Imagine that's like not one of the colors, but it's like the electricity in the pixel, right? right. So, so you have, and in reality, essentially, there's like 13 different color elements, right? There's like, I'm sorry. Well, anyway, there's like four forces and then there's like 12. So there's like 16 or if you count the Higgs field, like 17. Anyway, but there's essentially like 16 different fields in reality that once you lay those all over, then you have like, you, you know, the, the universe. And so, so anyway, so what we're trying to do is essentially turn off just one of those fields. We're just trying to turn off the Higgs field. We're trying to disconnect from the Higgs field. And so it's just like all in like one spot on your TV. We're trying to turn off all these pixels. We're trying to disconnect those pixels. Gotcha. And so, and so, the, and what we know is, is this, there's this left-handed electron and the reason it gets slowed down, it doesn't go as fast as a photon. It gets slowed down because we know the Higgs field is pulling on it, hmm. but we know from Newton's third law, right? If the Higgs field is pulling on that left-handed electron, then we know that left-handed electron is pushing on that field. Right. So what we want to do is, is push it like a swing. And so we're going to pump it and we're going to knock it. So it comes back and we're going to pump it again and knock it. So it comes back. And if we do that enough, we might be able to build enough energy in the Higgs field that it will um, go to a different ground state and decouple. It will break the symmetry of it. And when that happens, the bosons and the stuff in the Higgs boson, which gives our matter mass, yeah, it'll bust out and it'll trail into the past, and so that's where the mass <laughs> reduction comes from. Oh man! And the, you can see, like, if you look at a physics book and look for the energy of the Higgs field, like in a vacuum, it's like non-zero, but it goes down like this. And if yeah. we can put just enough energy, we can roll that ball into the ditch and and dislocate, decouple the Higgs field, and then we won't have any mass. And that's how those Tic Tacs like zip around like bullets is because they don't have any mass. And so yeah. by Tic Tac, yeah, so that's you're, how you're referring to the UFOs. Like we're talking yeah. about like this applies to like, yeah, like anti-gravity and even the uh, an element of time travel in a way, quantum time travel, where you're yeah, dude, totally. if you're decoupling from the like the physical binds of gravity and space time, if you're moving that fast in a way, yeah, that's um, my brain yeah, is if, grasping all if, of this. Cause if, then you can, you're decoupling. You're right. Yeah. If you lose your mass, what happens is, is your particles, like all your massless particles, they instantly start to oscillate at the speed of light and right. all of your mass goes into the past. And the thing, and I talk about quantum gravity, right? So it's essentially the bottom line is, is that when you stretch, when that, when your mass flies into the past and stretches, Gravity is tension in the Higgs string. And so what you'll have is the, the bosons will go into the past and the tension in that Higgs string, right? Because those bosons have to end up somewhere in the past. And that's positive energy that's in the past. Now, here's the thing. There's something called the law of conservation of mass energy. So when they go into the past, they cannot accept, like you couldn't, that time, slice of time could not accept that that positive energy unless it's wrapped in negative energy density to cancel it. And so that, oh, cause man. cause like you can't, you can't add or, or destroy energy in any particular brain of time. So like if you, if you took the whole universe, like it was like a movie, right. And talk about this, like slices of cheese. But if, if you took, 
Yeah, totally. Gravity's BS. <laughs> gravity's BS. And so, yeah, <laughs> gravity's for losers. And so, so if you take this, if you take like a film, right? And well, in the face of the film, that's like the universe as we see it. And everyone, like every little frame is like an instant of time. Well, imagine chopping all those up and stacking them like slices of cheese this way. So now time is a distance. And in my podcast, I have this theoretical physicist that I totally like combed all his like, you know, YouTube videos. His name's Dr. Matt O'Dowd. And he said that when you get to the essentially the surface of the black hole at the quantum level, and when you go to the black hole at the event horizon, time becomes distance like which sure and nobody gets this nobody gets it but the reason it is is because when you stretch that higgs string over all those slices of cheese it's plank lengths in distance from yeah. those stacked time frames and so it's so really as you, simple as people not understanding that time is only a measure of distance and we always like to say space time but it's actually space time yeah so it's all really one thing it's like a yeah, you moving through it over a distance is how we even measure the concept or perceive any kind of an illusion of time. And so when yeah. you break down that sense of distance and make it instantaneous, then you're decoupling from, yeah, what you're stuck in, yeah. in your timeline. Yeah, You actually nailed something like, I, I'm trying to like, I was like, oh man, I like that, what you just said. Because when you, because time, when you think about it, how do you sense time, right? Because it's it's like you you don't like if it's if your eyes right if there's a light you see it yep. right if there's a sound you hear it if like something comes in contact with you you might feel it and like remember your brain your brain doesn't interact with anything all it does is receive signals electrical right. signals from like your nerves and stuff but for time time is weird because the only way i think you can perceive time is essentially when the hologram in front of you changes right right like and so, and I actually did something and I got to get to this conscious dude. And we're going to talk about like how you've lost so much weight too, because, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but ain't because, but like consciousness is, I think, it, I think our consciousness is sitting on the surface of a black hole and the black hole. And I didn't make like all of this up, like Gerard Hoof, he's a Nobel prize winning physicist, him and Leonard Susskind, they came up with this holographic theory of the universe and what they said was was that you could encode the universe and all of the physics that it needs and all that stuff on a holographic surface of a black hole and it would encode it would perfectly encode a 3d universe inside and so that's what i think i think our consciousness it runs over this black hole surface in the same way our brain receives signals we're actually we're actually receiving we're actually receiving signals from the surface of this hologram right. and it's encoding a 3d universe inside. And one of the things that is really interesting is that if you're sitting there on the surface of the hologram, like the energy on the hologram, like it, I think it must be constant just, just because of the law of conservation mass energy, it just makes sense. And so I think our consciousness sitting on the surface of this black hole is actually sharing is fighting over the energy with time because here's the thing you get tired the longer you're conscious and i think it's because time is trying to blow through the black hole where you're sitting where you're at changing the hologram but the more energy you're taking to run your brain the less energy time has and so right. you're actually jamming up time 
by being awake. You're slowing down time. And so that's why you get tireder as you go. And then what happens when you get too tired? (laughs) That's such a ridiculous reason for why we go to bed. That is so funny. (laughs) But think about it. You get tired because, because like time is like the time pressure. I call it psychic pressure from the arrow of time. And then what happens once you get so tired because like the time pressure is so high, it blows you off the hologram. Your consciousness releases the energy. And in the 3D world, you go unconscious. Right. And then you sleep and time passes really fast. And all of a sudden you wake back up and like six hours has gone by. Right. Exactly. So, and so the, some people might have a difficult time fathoming this because when we start talking about our, our consciousness, like right here and now is riding on the the surface tension edge of the information of a black hole. And you mm-hmm. say, well, no, it isn't. I'm sitting in my podcast room with a lava lamp and I can take a drink of water. There's, I don't have any perception of that. But you have to imagine for a minute, and this is something that was key for me. And after our last interview, if you guys haven't watched that, you should go check that one out too. Like oh, yeah. what I, I puzzled on that for a while after our last conversation. And think about it like this. If you were a transcendent interdimensional being or your consciousness and you're trying to strive like if you think about it everything in the universe is like yearning towards its evolutionary progress or its transcendence like a seed is trying to sprout to the surface and become a flower and to continue the cycle so if we're doing the same thing at some phenomenal level and the universe is like information and a hologram or like a solid state drive of everything of the all or the overmind whatever you want to call it Imagine if we're actually two-dimensional entities, but being on a two-dimensional flat plane as a transcendent consciousness tries to search for itself outside of that, it may perceive holographically like a three-dimensional reality that is very illusory. So you would, just like in a video game, is just flat information on a solid state drive but when you are searching to go through that information, like on a timeline, it emerges as a three-dimensional realm, like a psychic experience of a hologram. And somehow our bodies and the way that we're interfaced with this black hole, it's like we're actually on the surface of this black hole of information. And our consciousness now is just awakening and is emerging up through that. And it perceives everything as though you're in the room drinking a glass of water with a lava lamp because it's within our nature to always try to emerge into the future dimension where we're trying to wake up to and to get into from where we're actually at. Because just like a seed trying to become a flower or something come out of the cocoon, I don't know if that's a good explanation or not, but it's that's how it's possible that we could, just like Neo in the Matrix, actually be in a pod somewhere but perceive psychically like we're in an entire world walk, walking around on the streets of New York when really you're just in like a pod in some vacuum chamber somewhere. If we're actually surfacing the information, like surfing on the information of the universe on this black hole, we may perceive that holographically, um, fractally, as though our consciousness is trying to probe through that as a three-dimensional experience at a level higher than we actually are. Does that make yeah. sense? Totally. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so I'm totally catching what you're throwing. And and when you think about it, to somebody like that was a good point. Like when you said somebody might think, oh, well, look, I'm I'm grabbing this. I'm seeing this. I can see it's like 3D. 
But when you look at those like 3D shooters and you are playing like PUBG or you're playing like, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Call of Duty or something. When you're in there playing it, man, it looks 3D. Like, there's no question. Like, you can see, like, oh, he's around that corner or whatever. I'm going to throw my grenade over there. Like, there's no question in your mind you are seeing a 3D universe. So, and when you think about, like, your, your brain inside your skull, right? Your brain, all it's doing is interpreting signals, right? right. So, when you look at that lava lamp, you're just getting a, an electrical signal that your brain is interpreting as a lava lamp. Like your, your, your brain doesn't actually see anything. Right. So, so if your brain can receive those electrical signals and interpret the universe as you do, then there's actually like no logical like argument that it's possible that you could just be energy on the surface of a black hole receiving the same information that your senses are sending your brain, but you're receiving it from this hologram. Right. There's, I mean, if, if your brain, if we can agree that your brain interprets only electricity and this is what you get, then there's really kind of like, you know, I mean, you can say it, but it's really the same thing no matter what, you know, and right. it's just like, instead of what you see around in reality, you look at one of those 3D shooters and that's the same thing. You feel yeah. like you're walking this way and that way. But here's here's the really interesting thing. If we consider, just for the sake of argument, consider this hypothesis or conjecture even. But, well, no, hypothesis. It's a hypothesis. Consider the hypothesis that we're on the surface of this black hole and our consciousness is in some ways competing with time for the energy. Now, here's one thing that I looked up in a podcast that I called uh, Controlling the Flow of Time with Psychic Power or whatever. So if you look at a hummingbird, right? Mm. A hummingbird beats its wings at 200 times a second. Do you think it has fast muscles that it's just that fast? A bee beats its wings at 600 times a second. Right. Now, if you shook anything like that 600 times a second, you'd tear it, you'd tear it off. Like, there's just no way. But here's right. the thing. If our brains, if our consciousness is competing for time, do you know what the neuron density of a human is? Our per gram, our, and it actually goes by surface area, but, but per gram, we have 53 million neurons as human beings in our brain. 53 million neurons per gram. Mm. So for every gram you have there's of brain matter, there's like 53 million neurons. A bumblebee has like 12 trillion between 12 trillion neurons per gram and 2 trillion neurons per gram. And so if you think about their brain is competing for electricity, complete not electricity, but energy on the surface of the black hole, right. 12 trillion or even 2 trillion is so much more energy demand on the hologram than our 53 million brain. And so because right. the bee sucks all the energy with its consciousness out of the of the hologram and you know when you look air like aerodynamically a bee is like chris the human equivalent of chris christie flapping trash can lids to fly <laughs> right. seriously i say i said that but it, but it, but but because its consciousness its brain is so neuron dense it takes so much energy from the hologram that it leaves time very little energy to change the hologram so it's time crawls compared to ours, which means right. it's like the flash where we're like, really? It's like, then, they, yeah, they talk about that. Like even in the Tesla car, like the, 
the AI sensors in a Tesla auto driving system, like our brain only operates at like, I don't remember, 72 frames a second or something crazy like that. But these cars now that do self-driving are like over 33,000 frames a second. So the the processors in in these self-driving cars actually perceive time as if it's in ultra slow motion to them. Mm -hmm. And so like a hummingbird, like you said, uh, is processing reality at a completely different frame rate than us. Way so we perceive them as just going taking off, but to them, we're just moving in this beautiful, yep. graceful, slow motion reality because they're they're decoupled in a way from the, yeah, there's the time field of time. Their time is yeah, slower. They than don't ours. have fast muscles, they have slow time. And it's like the flash where you know he's just like running normally and everybody else is like you know going really slow. And like the bumble, the, I'm not the bumblebee has like trillions of neurons, and so that's why it can beat its wings 600 right. times a second. But the hummingbird has something like like 500 million or 600 million, and we have remember we have 53 million. They have like 600 million and change, and so that's why they're beating their wings at 200 times a second. It's not because they have fast muscles; it's because they have slow time, and so. Right. Just like you said, they're 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 experiencing time so much. Their time is so much slower that they can react like in a like just like you know what takes us a second to do takes them a millisecond to do. Right. And so if that's true, I mean, and if you do, oh, and the other thing is, is like if the hummingbird, right? The heart rate of the sleeping hummingbird is, and remember, when you sleep, you go, you're unconscious, and time flows normally. Well when the hummingbird is asleep its heart rate is 60 beats per minute just like a human beings hmm. but when it's awake not when it's beating its wings when it's awake its heart rate is 1250 beats a minute oh wow so, yeah so that is really strong corroboration that right. number 1 we are on the surface of black hole and number 2 our consciousness actually matters when it comes to the flow of time and like it's a big fucking deal and think about this what if you could take a pill and multiply your neurons by like a thousand okay or better now yet, you move what, like if, the flash. what if you had like a headset which my friend is actually uh reverse engineering that was used by the Stanford Research Institute to amp- amplify these effects within cognition and within the brain for out-of-body travel and remote viewing, which in a sense is kind of like turning your consciousness into a higher frame rate or magnetic signal, just like the hummingbird, and then transcending out of your body in a way in order to do phenomenal things. And so, dude, I believe it. I yeah. believe I now like, and I think like the reason I kind of stumbled across this right. Was I was kind of my wife's dog, Milo, just died. And Milo got her through like all kinds of like like abusive relationships and like you know, it was it was horrible. I mean, she loved this dog. She liked him more than me. And that's okay because Milo's more likable than me. But but uh he when he I was trying to figure out a way that I could prove that Milo his soul was going to heaven. And so, so what I figured out was though, if our energy is 
is actually running across the surface of this black hole, Stephen Hawking proved that there's energy that's leaving the surface of the black hole. And I am serious. I think that when we die, we carry with us our information that we have in our memory and in our DNA, and we carry it off the black hole to, I think, either the next black hole. And I think that's what, um, you know, reincarnation would be if you go to the next black hole up, <clears throat> the one that's enclosing the surface of the universe that your black hole was in when you died. Mm. Or maybe if you're like me or Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, your, your soul, your energy that's running over this surface, it makes heaven really plausible because if we go, if, if there's a black hole and there's other black holes inside these other black holes, then there must be a primordial black hole, the first black hole. And if our consciousness is running over the surface of this one and the hummingbird kind of makes me think that's true, that then, then it's plausible that our consciousness can make it to the primordial black hole and think of evolution. If you believe in evolution, the changes in our DNA and all that kind of stuff, all that information going back to the primordial black hole, that's really evolution. Right. Right. And so in a lot of ways, and, and you know, from physics, right? In quantum information cannot be created or destroyed. It's the law of conservation of quantum information and the law of conservation of mass energy says energy can't be destroyed. And so if you believe in physics and you believe our consciousness is running over the surface of black hole, then that means our consciousness, vibe, chi, energy, soul, spirit is immortal. And that right. is a fact. Right. And so, so, so anyway, so what I sort of f- figured out was, oh, and this other thing, Gerard Hoof proved after they kind of went back and forth about Hawking radiation, came up with this holographic principle that all of the quantum, all, all of the Hawking radiation that was ever emitted and that will be emitted in the future, that Hawking radiation must be quantumly entangled to what's going on inside the universe, inside the black hole. Right. And it has to be quantumly entangled to all future and all past Hawking radiation. And guess what? That's what DNA is. When your parents, grandparents died, you are quantumly entangled right. through your DNA to them. And so that's all the Hawking radiation in the past. And all the future Hawking radiation is your kids, my kids, their kids, all the way into the future. And it's quantumly entangled to like us right now. So, right. so that's the math. I didn't figure that out. That was Gerard Hoof. But the geometry of the sonic gravity theory of everything, the geometry of the universe accommodates that, makes perfect sense. And so what I told my wife and what I put in, um, I put in a podcast episode I just did called All All Dogs Go to Heaven, was the idea that if these hummingbird and if the bee are really, and I think they are, I think it makes perfect sense. You know, we get tired. That's why we get tired. It's psychic pressure from the arrow of time. But if when we die, our consciousness, spirit, vibe, energy, whatever you want to call it, goes off the black hole, right? It, I mean, where does the information go? Well, I think it goes either to the next black hole and then all of a sudden, boom, you get born there or you go to the primordial black hole and boom, you're born in what I think is heaven. And I think it's plausible that, you know, at the end of an infinite of an infinite cycle of evolutionary big bangs 
you have perfection on the primordial black hole. And that is a lot of, you know, a lot of faiths, you know, that's what they think nirvana or heaven is. And so in a lot of ways, just the notion of consciousness being on the surface of black hole makes a lot of room in the geometry of the universe for heaven and for hell and all kinds of room for different face and stuff it's pretty fucking amazing if you ask me yeah and everything even when you take it just at literal physical levels like we have the entire physical reality there's also the infinite empty space that is the counter space to that and that goes on forever and we have no idea when you leave the physical realm of reality what that counter space or non-physical space actually is like and it could totally be not just a dark blank void of a vacuum that we think it is but it could be literally the the substrate of the unified field of everything that exists over there that we perceive as just a blind spot or this empty darkness because uh we're pointed uh, on a totally different timeline and vibrating on a different frequency because our consciousness can only go so fast through this information or we exhaust ourselves because there's like diminishing returns on how much information you can put out there and gather while you're surfing on the edge of a black hole. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, maybe the cap <laughs> of your energy capacity is what determines your lifespan. Maybe you get full oh, yeah. and it's like, dude, you're done. Your you telomeres know? are worn off and you're done. Yeah. yeah right. So yeah, how do, let's tie this back into your free energy device. This is all really important to understand this because you have to understand the nature of the, actual reality not just this basics of what we've been taught in public school we want to glean from that but then take these phenomenal ideas and you have to get radical with them and that's what you're doing you're you're looking at the core and you've i think uncovered the secret like like if you go read the books of arthur young the inventor of the bell helicopter first of all he was into like astrology and like synchronicities and all this stuff but he kind of realized the same thing that there's the universe ultimately operates on just such very basic elements. Like when you think about it, all of the math that you've ever heard, all of the, all of the scientific calculations and trigonometry and everything ultimately boils down to the numbers, you know, zero through nine. And, and those in random combinations account for all of the math that's ever been done. Every single word that's ever been spoken in the English language boils down to just the letters of the alphabet. Everything that you can see in reality can be breaking down, broken down just into the prism of the colors of the rainbow. So with a few tiny uh, elements to begin with, the universe can mix and match those in infinite combinations and produce anything. And so you've kind of getting to the core, you understand this, these basic principles of how reality works uh, even beyond the physical and you're trying to build this device that kind mm -hmm. of cheats the boundaries of that to, in order to help us realize that and move to another level. Yeah. But I mean, in a lot of what you want to know what cheating is, let me tell you what cheating is. Okay. Astrophysicists, <laughs> theoretical physicists. Well, okay. We don't need to go down this rabble ramp, but remember, just like remind me about how they calculate electron scatter and uh, the it's called the uh, electron free energy correction just okay just say electron scatter because you know who cheats it's the physicists okay and yeah. i'll tell you how they do it their math they cheat they their math doesn't capture uh feynman equations and doesn't appropriately capture what's called 
electron scatter when the electron it, you just kind of it, when it doesn't bounce when it like feeds off itself a little bit mm. all their calculations go wrong it goes to infinity and i will give you the answer to a millennium problem called the yang's mills problem there's seven unsolvable math problems in the world and they're called there's millennium math problems and i have the answer to one of them called the yang's mills mass gap and mm. i just anyway i'll give it to you and like i'll everybody will hear it but yeah but who cheats you want to know who cheats it's the physicists right. and, and anybody who knows how to do those you know the wave equations for electron scatter they'll be like yeah he's right we cheat so <laughs> you can ask him just ask him the big mm, yeah we kind of do that so but anyway yeah so here's how here's how the field works sorry we digressed um but um so so it generates a field and it's like pushing somebody on a swing, right? And eventually, if you build enough energy in this Higgs field, um, you can drop it to a ground, what they call a ground state. And that's when our particles will lose their mass and our mass will fly sort of into the past. Well, not sort of. It will fly into the past. But here's the thing. It gets enshrouded with negative energy density to balance out mm. in that instance of time, in that slice of cheese in the past. It has to be net zero. So all that mass will go as far back as the gravity, the Higgs string, the gravity that it generates to counter that mass. But here's the thing. That's why you get cow mutilations, right? Where their faces are torn off because when there's a, a quantum echo, right? Which is we're zipping around in the past or we're zipping around in the future, but their echo comes back to our past. Yeah. We're actually viewing them through a wormhole because their mass is in our time because it's in the past. It's enshrouded in gravity. And so when you're in the future zipping around Farmer Bob's like pasture, right? In the past where like Farmer Bob's great grandfather has cows, right? When grandpa's cow goes up to check out that quantum echo of like our future craft and kind of sticks his nose up there to smell it, that's why the if you look at pictures of calculation, that's why their face skin is like ripped off mm. and their bodies are just jacked and and they look like all kinds of pressure wounds and crushed bones and all that kind of stuff. It's because the quantum echo is wrapped in gravity and the cow got too close and gets wrecked, gets mm. like scrambled with gravity. So anyway, that's just calculation. And I thought it was cool. But so so what happens when when we have this? this generator that you know that spins around and it creates this field that decouples the higgs field well if you do just one like a saucer right why that's why saucers around i think is because you have this modified faraday disc spinning so a saucer is perfect but if you have one going like if you have if you have one that just goes around like this and yeah. then you have one that goes like this well now you've created a field envelope where you're totally closed off right right and so now you are completely disconnected from the Higgs field. And the Higgs field is, you know, we talked about is like the electricity in our TV or whatever. When you decouple the Higgs field, the Higgs field is what leashes all of the matter in the universe to this instance of Planck time, to our instant of time. And so, you know, time dilation, when you move, like say you move, you feel like you hit the gas in your Corvette and you kind of get thrown into the back seat. Yeah. Okay. The reason that is, is because you have these slices of time, right? Well, there's something called time dilation. 
And if you go faster through space, you move slower through time. And so you have all these times. So imagine like, okay, a little slower is this way. So to move slower through time, gravity is pulling you back in time. Right. Because Einstein said that there's a, there's a equivalence of mass gravity and inertial gravity. And that's what quantum gravity is. And nobody knows this. This is just me. This is the sonic gravity theory of everything. But quantum gravity is the stretch in the Higgs string that you feel when your time dilates because, because you don't feel G's because you're moving through space. Like when you jump out of an airplane, right? You're hauling ass through space. You're falling down super fast, but you don't feel like crushed into the back of your parachute. You just kind of float down and it's pretty nice and you just don't right. open your mouth. And so you, you just, so moving through space doesn't give you gravity. It's moving through the curvature of time. And when you jump out of a plane, you're getting closer to a center of gravity, right? Which is slowing your time, but you're also accelerating, which is also slowing your time. So it matches and you never pass through the curvature of time. But if you're taken off in a rocket, you're accelerating, which is slowing your time. But you're also leaving the Earth's gravity well. You're getting further out of a gravity well. And that's accelerating your time. Mm. So you're getting tugged both directions by the Higgs string. And that's the pressure of gravity that you like the G's that you pull when you're launching in a rocket. Right. So, so that's how quantum, that's how quantum gravity works. And so it's really, there's something called a modulus elasticity. Like it's like, it's like, you know, if it's like a 10 pound spring, you pull it 10 pounds, you go like one inch, right? You pull 20 pounds, you go two inches. Right. Well, so the solution to quantum gravity is the time dilation times the modulus elasticity, of the Higgs string divided by, um, R squared times the speed of light squared. That's the that's the equation for quantum gravity. That's that's the solution. Hang on while I do that in my head real quick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, no. yeah. yeah. So you, yeah, so well, you well, so, cracked it, man, huh? Yeah. Oh, but so, but the reason that I haven't had more than like three and a half pounds of mass reduction on, and I just figured it out, and it's stupid. I can't believe it took me this long to figure out. So I attached uh I attached a uh, uh, a voltmeter to um, a multimeter to my setup. And so my, my generator was only generating a, about a milliamp of electricity, right? So, right. you know, the spinning disc is a battery and all that. I, I put a sensor on it and I was only generating a milliamp and a millivolt. And that's pretty fucking pathetic. It's like one, it's like one millionth of a watt which is fucking nothing. And so I'm like, no shit. Maybe that's why I'm not getting any results. Cause I'm only pumping, um, you know, I'm only rocking, you know, a nanowatt. Fuck, you know, that sucks. And yeah. so what I was like, well, okay. So I went and bought a 35 kilowatt amp. Like oh, for so a you're stereo. stepping it way up now. Oh dude, it's dude. It's a billion. It's going to be a billion times more more juice and so i got this i got this amp i did the math on all the circuits and the ohms and the resistance and everything and here's what i'm going to do i'm going to be i'm going to be jacking two channels of 160 watts which is 160 like billion times more than or i don't know i'll, I'll check the math on it but or it's like a trillion times whatever i was in i was in nano before no so it's a billion it's like 160 billion times more and I'm going to be in kilo. I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in kilowatts, 
and um, that was before I was in nanowatts. And so, and I'm going to run two. I'm going to run one that constantly runs. The bottom of my spinner is going to be like a regular Faraday disc. And what that's going to do is it's going to polarize everything. So it's going to be totally smooth. It's going to stay smooth. And then on top, that's when I got an oscilloscope. Okay. And what an oscilloscope does is it goes and it makes a signal that my amp is going to jack. Right. And so, so my signal is going to be pumping out in mega in, in like mega uh, megahertz, right. Millions of pulses a second. So my signal is going to be in megahertz and I'm going to have 160 billion times more juice flying through that thing. And I think I'm going to suck some fucking shit into a vortex, man. I think this is going to work. Make sure where your cat is before you turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, so anyway, so if this doesn't work, if I don't get some appreciable uh, mass reduction now, when I was like playing with, you know, like Legos at, a nanowatt it i think i lost like i mean i have film of it where it's like it loses some mass and so i think i really think if this works man it's gonna like there's gonna be no question like it's gonna be like it's gonna like the the weight's just gonna go like it's gonna it's gotta totally work or then i might have to face the fact that i'm a fucking madman and none of this is just (laughs) It's just it's just the ramblings of a troubled mind trying to find this place in the universe. Well, here's a question, and then I want to grab a bunch of questions from over in the comment section because there's some really good ones, some profound ones piling up over there. Are like, they like, is he on drugs? <laughs> no. They're, yeah, some. They're gonna, yeah, so what? But uh, <laughs> Why? So here's a question. Let's say you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, today's the day I'm going to go turn this on. Before you even get to the device to turn it on will there be do you anticipate that there might be any pre-effects to where like (laughs) as you're uh, as you're approaching the device it's already like glowing or you see energy of light coming off of it because technically you'd be sending parts of that back through time and those traces like you said like there's always that tail that reflex that shoots off into the past so technically if you're there in the past and you mm-hmm. haven't turned it on yet, and that's the day that it actually works, you would know that that's the day it actually works because as you approach it, it's already showing the effects of working in the near future. Is that Am I crazy or is that possible? <laughs> no, dude. Uh, seriously, as I was building the first one, that is, uh, the, I mean, those were the kinds of questions that were going through my head. Like, okay, now if this works, shouldn't I see some like really weird shit like before I turn it on? But but here's what I think happens. I think, so, you know, when you look, there's some, like, you'll see, like, UFOs and UAP, word, grant, word, the vag will rule. So, <laughs> the one vag to rule them all. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I mean, I, this is what I think happens. There has to be, so, if you look, the only field, which is, like non-zero in the vacuum the only quantum field is the higgs field and it kind of looks like in a vacuum it's got a certain energy but if you put up if it goes you know if you the field strength gets greater it it drops right and so you have to build i think you have to build enough energy to essentially 
roll that Higgs boson into the ditch. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think that if you, if you turn it on and you're successful at decoupling the Higgs field, I think it goes a lot further than, you know, like, it, I think it goes a lot further than like years. I mean, oh. it goes like a long way, I think. But here's the thing. Here's the other mm. thing. And it really, and I talk about this in Critical Thinking Part 7, um, UFOs, UAPs, and the key to immortality. But I think 100 years ago, somebody may have like looked in the woods, which is where my deck wasn't, but would be years in the future. And if they saw like a floating apparition, and oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. They might go, oh my God, like a ghost. You know what I mean? And then, so it's like, it's it's possible that some of the apparitions that people might see at any point in time could be a quantum echo, maybe a, a fuzzy quantum echo of not very much mass from the future. Like it's mm-hmm. it's possible that that my my vag when I fired up, which is the Voorhees anti gravity engine, when I fired up, if it if it does decouple some mass and that mass goes into the past. I, my suspicion is is that it goes far into the past right because like we see these quantum craft flying around and they're not like exploding on ignition right which i right. think they would if but here, no you wouldn't maybe not because remember their particles are massless so right gravity doesn't affect them and so if you spun it up and all this gravity appeared around you right. it wouldn't affect you because you don't have any mass do you see what I mean? Yeah, like really up at like when you think of like Skinwalker Ranch and Blind Frog Ranch up in Vernal, Utah, imagine if maybe like, uh, I don't know, like 500 years from now or something like that, there's actually like a highly high tech futuristic spaceport or an alien spaceport there or something like that. Or a hospital. Or a hospital. So yeah, so like the uh, these UFOs or these advanced time travel craft or taking off and they don't realize that in the past there's just a farm there in that area where skinwalker ranch is and there's all these echoes quantum echoes shooting back in to our timeline and so as they discover the side effects of what they're doing is actually affecting the past they actually travel into the past to try and investigate that and then end up realizing they've caused cattle mutilations and weird lights to appear and and then when they're coming back to check on things, people look up and they see them in the sky. I don't know. That's just like one totally. plausible explanation no, that in the yeah, future, there's imagine, a lot of activity or a, maybe a military base up there, but it doesn't exist yet. It's We're talking about something in the future, leaving a wake behind it in our timeline mm-hmm. as an echo in the past, which they're proving in the Hadron Collider is like a, a real thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when the... When particles like uh, you know collide in the in the uh, in the you know the large hadron collider at CERN, you know I I think there's been I I know I saw this on like the History Channel or like you know how the universe works or something, but those Higgs bosons can appear in the collider in the place the collision happens before it happens, and exactly. so so we know that when the collision happens, it could release the higgs boson 
that could travel back into the past and poof into existence before the collision happens. Right. And so, so this is not totally bananas, even though it sounds totally bananas. It's not totally, it's not without like, you know, logical foundation. And when you think about, and I talked about this a little bit in critical thinking part seven, imagine if you came up with a quantum chamber, because when you're, when you when you spin it up and your if your particles are, are you, you decoupled from your mass, then you're you're timeless, right? You right. you have no time at all. And so imagine if you're terminally ill, and you go step into a quantum chamber and turn it on. Then yeah. you then you your time stops until they figure out the cure for whatever you have, and then they come get you and then fix you. Right. And so. If you're if you see ghosts walking around, maybe that's somebody waiting around for the cure in the future. <laughs> right. And if it was you, when you're moving at the speed of light, your time is zero. So in a lot of ways, it's like it's like it only takes you a second. Right. It only takes you a second. Like for you, it's a blink. For everyone else, it could be years before they came up with the solution. But for you, it'd be, it'd be nothing. Do you think this this is a really good question for from Andy? Not to cut you off there, but like, do you think that uh, maybe some of the side effects of what we're talking about could create this idea of the Mandela effect, where like we perceive alternate timelines? Are you familiar with the Mandela effect? No, I'm not. Can you tell me? What it's that kind is? of like this idea that like if you look at things, you remember them quite differently. It's almost like deja vu. So like, there's a whole bunch of people who remember these childhood books called the Berenstein Bears. But yeah. when you go and pick up a copy of the Berenstein Bears, it's actually spelled now the Berenstain Bears. And when you look it up, everybody's like, it's the Berenstain Bears. It's not the Berenstein Bears. And it's almost like we've jumped into an alternate timeline. Like people, wow. rem people remember uh, somebody dying in their childhood, like it was all over the news. And then you turn around and look and, and they're actually still alive. And it, it's like, you're on almost like man in the high castle. Like there's an alternate reality or parallel reality. And those, because of what we're talking about, is it going on with technology in the future or something? It's starting to scramble our timelines a little bit. And so do you think that that's possible? Like we just mentioned oh, yeah. Skinwalker Ranch, but you could be, thinking that you have an accepted reality, like uh, like somebody was a particular main actor in a movie, but then when you go pull it off the shelf, you're like, wait, I didn't know that that was played by Keanu Reeves. I thought it was somebody totally different. And you're not the only one that thinks that. Everybody thinks that. They remember it completely wow. different than the reality we're in now. So that is kind of a funny thing, but... I think, okay, so let me tell you how I think time travel happens. Like, I time travel is possible and 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 theoretical physicists agree it's totally possible and you know they you know but what needs to happen for time travel right is for a wormhole to be held open there has to be negative energy density right that's what they say and sometimes you know you have all these guys these physicists saying oh no i can do it with you know this element 115 or whatever that's that's the wrong answer i mean just in my view it's stupid what you need all you need is decouple this higgs field your mass goes into the past right hmm. so you're massless right now so you have no positive energy density at all right but there's a massive amount of negative energy density 
that could hold that wormhole open. And so you have your, you have your quantumly entangled mass in the past. You have no mass here. And the tension in the Higgs string is creating gravity that will hold open a wormhole. Like, mm. so the, if you listen, if you, if you listen to the, in, in my, I have a, a episode I did that's called uh, the dark matter and the quantum echo hypothesis. Mm. And so I say it, but then I splice in all of Matt, Dr. Matt O'Dowd and all the theoretical physics that he explains perfectly that fits into what I'm saying. So, you know, it's not me just like making this shit up. Like I learned it from watching him. I pieced everything together because the, the one talent that I do have is, or maybe it's a character flaw, but I can assemble ran different things. Like I have this, I recall the things that I learn. And I just, I just have this weird visualization where I can see these puzzle pieces all fitting together. Yeah. And so, so some of this, I mean, I'm an engineer by education. I have a, a bachelor's and a master's degree in civil engineering. So I'm not afraid of differential equations and I can keep up when I'm reading, you know, those, you know, the math, I'm not afraid of the math. It's been a while since I did multiple or different differential equations though. And but and I'm an attorney, right? I have a, a JD and an LLM and some a lot of trial experience and stuff like that. And so I'm 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 fairly good at remembering the facts and seeing how they fit to find the picture. And I have just enough sort of background in engineering and physics and stuff to be able to process where what that means and where it fits. And so that's really um and I think the problem with theoretical physics is that everybody's so wrapped up in the math that they're yeah. not stepping back and like loving it. They're not like, they're, yeah. they're not like seeking truth. Right. They're trying to prove and validate their grants and, right. you know, and all this kind of stuff. They're not like, they're not sitting in the question with a pure intent they're not trying to seek truth i really think the reason that th that nobody's put this together in 100 years is because they're trying to prove the things that they think are right rather than trying to right. see what the universe is teaching them that's beautifully put yeah absolutely beautifully put because you get in there and everything is like a proof or an equation and you're trying to seek after a solution by crunching it and at some point, you have to step back and look at what's actually happening in reality. And you have to fathom that at a, at a deep level, you know, as you have yeah. done all this, like planning and math and strategizing and visualizing has uh, sacred geometry come into play. Sapphire Elf has a good question. Do you have any thoughts on sacred geometry? I know I use what's sacred, that sacred you... geometry is like basically. Oh boy. Okay. I'm going to try and tackle this. I'm going to let the words flow out in a yeah, meditative man. state and we're going to go for this. So hopefully Sapphire Elf loves this. So. <laughs> okay. So you have your initial awareness, which is like a single point of, of view, um, like just this initial witness of who you are. Right. And then that would be like a single point. And then mm -hmm. as 
you begin to feel something about that that creates like a like a second pendulum to the equation of consciousness like you have a feeling and then there's like a, an awareness and then maybe over here uh you have like uh thinking about what has happened before and that might create another point of view that you're leaning into in your mind and awareness and then over here there's anticipation of the future and as you start to draw lines between these points you can form like a triangle or a pyramid and it starts to form like these alchemical symbols like uh, that blossom into Fibonacci sequences and unfold like into all the geometry of reality that's like uh, unfolding. So you have something that starts as a single point and then as reality unfolds, it goes to a second point and then a third and a fourth and all that. So the idea of sacred geometry is like that as you go all the way back into the ancient past, you have these same like flower of life symbols, the same uh Taurus pattern or Fibonacci sequence that's all according to this beautiful geometry like of pi that we can translate into math and and things like that so I guess the question for, about sacred geometry is like uh, yeah it's the the art of taking the numbers and the data and being able to three-dimensionally visualize that into an idea oh, dude, yeah or concept oh, yeah and how much that works for you yeah Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the only thing that's the, that's the key in my mind to critical thinking. Like, so what I, that's exactly what I try to do when I am critically thinking, right? Because I try to break it down into binary, mutually exclusive, like choices. So when I, the first thing I did when I was looking at UAP, I was like, well, it's either us or it ain't us right right fact it's like it can only be one or the other it's either us or it ain't us now if it ain't us it's aliens right and so like and it's plausible that many of them are uh you know other spacefaring uh you know sentient beings or drones or what you know whatever um but if it's us right yeah. then it can only be us from the past us from the present or us from the future and I was like, well, you know, I mean, like there are some hypotheses and conjectures and stuff that it, there could be like older ancient civilizations and stuff that could be true. But at least in my thought process, I was like, well, I'm thinking like swords and armor and shit, probably not us in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the physicists of today are all skeptics and they're like, hell no, it's not. And, you know, you got Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, making fun of people or whatever, which I kind of rip him a little bit over. <laughs> I told him he lost all his sonic gravity privileges. Right. And so, and, you know, and so I'm like, well, then it only leaves us from the future. So I'm like, well, you know, it's us from the future. Logically, I think that's, but then I started to see lots of things that kind of made sense. Like they're always flying in our Navy's training areas. Like, yeah, well, that's a clue. But the funny thing is I was thinking about, I was talking about this at some point, you know, what we could do to see if they were like Navy UAP. So imagine like the Navy or like the president now write a policy that says, if you're flying quantum craft, you got to do it over here and it has to be at this altitude or whatever. If they ink that and put it in a safe and say, you know, this is, you can't change it. Well, that's a time capsule in the future. And so they could just write a policy right now. And then when they all start acting like that, it's like, fuck, that's us. 
we know it's a, you know what i mean it's us in the future because they would be following that it becomes a time capsule from here to there right eh. i mean it's it it would be so easy to do that it would and, even, you know, that, it would be really easy for them even to plant seeds in the past or to try and give yourself a, a little advantage over your enemies and things by like having something go back in time and crash there to try and inspire a whole movement so you get this yeah. idea all of a sudden of like there could exist sort of like a time travel cold war that's going on right now that we're is unperceived by us we're just getting these quantum echoes of a future time travel war and getting the weird ripple effects of that in our timeline because things are adjusting on the fly as we go at, at uh, faster than we can fathom speeds you know yeah and there's so many right like right. there's like i saw a poster somewhere there's like i don't know 50 different kinds of you know craft so that tells me right that tells me it's not just some clandestine bunch of people like you know doing them because there's so many different like there's no way you could have like 50 different clandestine manufacturing processes going on around the world and nobody knows you know what i mean yeah. i mean there may be like one or two or skunk works might have something or, or you know maybe whatever I, I know but i think what happens is this technology rapidly proliferates in the future right and i think it does because it's fucking simple and if you right. listen to my podcast you can probably do it if you had the resources to do that you know we should already have quantum craft so <clears throat> i mean and if I turn this on, when I get this thing built, I have all the components. I just need a little time and I need Ashley to say, okay, fine. You can fucking build it. You know, just like, you know, cause yeah, you know, I got to work and then the kids need to, oh, and by the way, man, I don't know if anybody has a little girl, but me and my girls, we have this ritual, like every, before we go to bed and they love back art. And so mm -hmm. what we do is, is we take turns and like on your back and you draw like a shape and he want to guess what it is and stuff, man, they love it. Yeah. And so anyway, just, just, uh, throwing that out there. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah. Oh, time travel, right. We're going to talk about yeah. time travel. So, so I spin up my craft, right. Where I have a concentric, um, vag going this way and then one going this way. And so if you look at the geometry of the fields like that, it becomes an orb. It becomes a completely self-contained. If you have two cylinders right. like that, it's an orb. So then I get a complete uh, symmetry break with the Higgs field. My mass goes into the past, creates a wormhole between then and now, right? So now craft number two, a smaller craft, spins up its um, uh, veg configuration. So it's an orb now too, but it's a little bit smaller. And now it doesn't have any mass. Mm -hmm. so it flies through the wormhole created by the first one it essentially flies through the craft the first craft and exits the wormhole in the past gotcha and now you have a craft that could actually then turn off and and actually it's quantum echo jumps even further back right once it goes through the wormhole and so and what you have is you have a real craft in the past and I think right. that's what you're looking at when you're looking at Roswell, when you're looking at any of those things. It's a craft that has flown through. Essentially, one of the, the first craft becomes a gate and then it flies through. Now, 
that starts getting fucking gnarly if you think about it. Yeah. Because if that craft turns off, you're fucked. Like you're stuck. Which is you know why, I mean? which is why a lot of the initial ones, experimental ones, would probably be drones. Yeah. They'd be future yeah. tech I mean, drones imagine, without like, real detested. occupants, or they'd be yeah. like, like uh, clone occupants, or kind of like cybernetic or bio life form type drone yeah. creatures. Could be crash would, test dummies. Yeah, that we would perceive. You know? as uh, aliens or something <laughs> yeah that's really strange to think about yeah and think about this imagine combat with quantum craft so you could like and remember your quantum echo goes as far back as your mass right, right. because it has to cancel the positive energy of your mass your right. gravity has to can't because remember it has to be like the negative energy density has to completely balance the positive energy density of your mass right so essentially and that gravity is determined by the tension in the Higgs stream. And so it's all going to be determined by the mass of your craft. Right. That's how far your quantum echo is going to go back. So imagine if you're fighting the Russians, right? And they've got a bunch of little ones. Well, you zoom in there with your big fucking craft and you swallow them all. You shove them through your wormhole and then you fucking eject some mass. So it peels your uh it peels it peels your wormhole out and now they're fucking stuck in like i don't know however many bc and they're just like <laughs> fuck how do we get back and then the, and then they run into the natives and like a whole different religion begins off of them and yeah. like, they think they're aliens or something right like. i mean but that starts getting gnarly i mean like yeah, yeah. so i mean speaking of gnarly this is this is one that really throws a wrench in the gears for this concept of time travel and i want to ask you this one because it's sure. really brilliant and I've thought about this one too, and I, it puzzles me. Like, if you if time travel was a thing, like, let's say you you turn your free energy device on on your back deck. Well, by the time that device turns on, technically, if you are into physics and astronomy, that and you believe sure. that we're on an Earth that's moving through space at sixty six thousand miles per hour on a mm. corkscrew around the sun with all the other planets and the moon, then even if you're out on your back deck and that device turns on, uh, technically it's like 66,000 miles per hour behind you in space on the sure, trail of the planet sure. as we're moving. So yeah, would we even the see those flying effects? towards Andromeda. Yeah. We're on the, the arm the, of the Milky yeah. way and all that. So how does that trace back? Like, is it quantum entanglement that keeps you, experience no it's because we're living on the surface of a hologram right so even though yeah like okay so it, the 3d universe right is encoded inside and that's what we perceive it's actually not 3d it's a 2d holographic surface yeah and so it's just like it's just exactly like you know PUBG or like you know call of duty and it's like when you're in that spot of you know you know whatever that battlefield is you know if if something in the future is going down on that battlefield or whatever in that spot bam and the wormholes there there it is so it's like so it's it's true and you know if well let me put it this way if it's if if we're really in a 3d if we truly exist in a 3d reality which i don't think we do and the physics if you like listen to the the um quantum gravity at the speed of thought when i talk about hey the the sonic the sonic gravity theory of everything is that we actually exist on 
the 2D holographic surface of a black hole. And so, so you're actually not in a 3D space. Right. And if you think about like quantum gravity, and if if my if my um, if my conjecture, my hypothesis about quantum gravity is right, it's mass and space invariant. It's only time. It's time is the yeah. only thing that is essentially well, kind of because there's neg- no. It is mass invariant because mass is energy, and so it's all energy. It's all time. Yeah. And so there's no mass part. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing. It's, it's all pure energy. It's positive energy being balanced by negative energy. It's all energy. And so if the quantum echo hypothesis and the sonic gravity theory of everything is right, then we are on the surface of a hologram and there's no space. Space is the hologram, right? It's an illusion. And the, the illusion of that is so convincing as a psychic experience of, consuming the information on the surface of that black hole that we perceive it as being on a spherical planet that's moving through space at 656 kilometers per hour uh, mm-hmm. according to the microwave background as charles yeah. says there and the gerard too right? he proved that yeah. you could encode all of the machinery and the physics and everything on the surface of that black hole that would govern a 3d universe inside it's so So, hard to wrap your head around man but if you think about that if you think it's just as convincing as the electrical signals that your brain is receiving because your brain sits in an isolation like sensory deprivation chamber that's true and perceives everything and perceives everything outside of it like and it's only electrical signals it's only electrical signals it's really like when you look around you look out uh at the distance in the mountains, you look up at the clouds or you look at your hands right in front of your face. You have to ask yourself, like, where is the seeing actually occurring? And it's really a unified field experience that is interpreted as separate objects over distance. But really, it's a it's a flat field, unified, solid state experience that we perceive as a three dimensional realm, like the mountains are way over there. This whole Doppler effect unfolds. We see things coming closer and farther and they gain size and shape and you touch and feel things. And we have all this math that adds up like everything is moving. But in the end, it's all being perceived in one place. And that's in consciousness, mm-hmm. which is the collector that where the antenna of the physical meets the etheric or whatever you want to call yeah. it. There's Dude, the, where the quantum the rubber, entanglement. The quantum entanglement makes the entire physical reality so convincing. And there's another way that like, let me just, if it's hard to fathom that we could be like on the surface of a black hole and just thinking that it's like this in a physical reality and we're moving through space on a planet, which mm-hmm. by the way is why, why flat earthers are really confused and have like a voice <laughs> in the game, right? Because these questions are hard. When you start to dig at them, reality falls apart real quick. Physical reality is is really loosey-goosey when you start probing at it. But really, like, when you realize it's all occurring within the awareness of consciousness, that everything that appears to be moving and physical all boils down to that, that substrate of awareness that is occurring. And that could be just two-dimensional plane flying on a black hole being perceived as existing and walking around in a three-dimensional physical realm. Even when you're in a dream, okay, let me make this straight Mm. metaphor. Yeah, let me have it. Lay it on. 
if you're in a dream and you look out in the dream and you become aware that you're dreaming like a lucid dreamer, the dream will still exist. The realm, like if you're in a room and there's another person in the chair and somebody's trying to talk to you, just ask yourself right now, what is everything and everyone in the dream actually made of? The yeah. person that comes up to you in the dream and starts talking to you or the car that you see drive by or whatever you're perceiving, what is it actually made of if not your own consciousness and anticipation and intuition and your subconscious projected outside of yourself as a convincing, vivid, physical, three-dimensional reality to the point that you're scared when you get something chases you. If you fall off of something, you're like, well, I'm convinced that you're going to die. And it's an Dude, entire, I never thought of that. Yeah. It's an entire physical psychic experience. And this is the paradox of it is that the more lucid you are and aware that you're in a dream, the more physical it gets and the more real it is and the more all of a sudden tangible it becomes to manipulate as a wow. lucid dreamer, right? But we don't consider that in our physical reality as being possible at all, even though we experience it a third of our life every night when we go to bed. And, and you wake up in the morning and experience physical reality a lot the same way. And we that's so convincing, you just cannot accept the fact that all of this is still a consciousness and psychic experience. And 99% of even that is totally in a blind spot to us. Dude, that, yeah, totally. I mean, like, think, I mean, just think if like, everybody's like, oh, look at that, that sweet lava lamp back there. <laughs> well, imagine if, if I could, and I don't think anybody would dispute this. If I could like surgically, like put some wires in, in your optic nerve that could modify that signal to make that lava lamp disappear like if i like dampen the signal or something and and i have like some you know i can i know exactly what the wavelength is that that looks like does anybody dispute that i could change the electrical impulse and erase that lava lamp from your consciousness i don't think anybody could dispute that that's feasible i don't think that um, I don't think anybody would disagree that if I could go tap into your optic nerve, that I could cut off your your visual perception entirely. Totally. If I could if I could cut off your visual perception, I could make you see whatever I wanted if I had the technology to do that. And so, so once you realize that your brain is only interpreting signals, and that we have the technology now to fuck with those signals because we can, you know, change electric frequencies and all that kind of stuff. If you could map that stuff, then you could, you could change somebody completely change somebody's reality. So there's no argument that it's possible. Right. Since all we do is receive signals. There's, there's, I don't think there's, you can say not, -uh, but right. I think you have to accept the plausibility that we could be that the holographic, uh, principle of the universe it's plausible you, yeah i i just don't think there's a credible argument that it's not you know what i mean like and right. and when you start to see that when you see what well, you know if you if you contemplate that that may be the geometry of the universe that our consciousness is running over the surface of a black hole and that we compete with time for the energy on the little spot of the black hole that we're on then it starts 
a lot of things start making sense, like why we get tired, what happens when we go to sleep, you know, why does time blow out, all that kind of stuff. But then when you think about, like, say you could through consciousness, like through, say, like I, I, you know, magnified like a million times the neurons. Yeah, it's like the source code of the universe. I mean, imagine if I magnified the density of my neurons to the point where, you know, I had a quadrillion neurons. Okay, well, now I move like the flash, right? And the, 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 the air is like, it's thick, like water, right? And so, because like air moving and everything. So now I'm super humanly strong. I could probably pick up cars because it's kind of like they're in the pool, you know? Would you perceive reality? Because if you're moving like as fast or near the speed of light or even beyond that, wouldn't you perceive like the waveform of light and the prism of light differently. So everything would go black and white or a red shift. Like Hal Putoff talks about this with UFO technology, that if you go faster than the speed of light, then reality would shift into this ultraviolet spectrum as reality around you basically slowed down and, and became like, okay. like a sand that you could move through. But your ability to look at, light bouncing off of objects and to perceive it would shift into this grayscale because it wouldn't be moving the same speed. So you'd be moving through a different grayscale type reality or different, who knows what it would look like. Yeah. I mean, I maybe like, I mean, I think you start really, okay. So I just think, okay, so I'm going to logically go from a moving this fast. This is what happening. So I think if you approach the speed of light and I think this is really kind of, I hate being in this spot, but I, I think Einstein got it wrong for the same reason that physicists cheat when they do that calculation I was talking about. I don't think when things move the speed of light, I don't think they get heavier. I think they get lighter. And the reason Hmm. is because I think Einstein didn't have the quantum Lagrangian, which I'll talk about in just a second, but it's just like, would you say that was the geometry of sacred the geometry? Sacred geometry, yeah. It's literally like the point to the, tri- Here's the sacred triangle geometry. to the Merkaba, and all the sacred symbols of religion and everything. The uh, all of that go back to this simple, these simple principles, like the even the DNA helix and everything follows the sacred geometry. Yeah. Okay, so I'm totally down with that. Here's the sacred geometry of the sonic gravity theory of everything. So we have our instance of time like this, right? So all of the matter in the universe, right? It's all like, you know, it's electrons zipping around. It's like vibrations in these fields. But I want you to think of all the, like, all of the matter in the universe as just like, you know, kind of one electron that's like orbiting around. Hmm. So here's, the, here's our Planck time. So the Higgs field is what leashes this particle to our instance of time. It's a connection from here and it goes four Planck length circle it's oscillating around. Yeah. Okay. Now we only, because we're talking about, we're on this hologram, right? We can only perceive shit that touches the hologram. We don't have anything else. And the reason that physicists think at the quantum level, shit teleports. That's sacred geometry, by the way. Yeah, dude. Same thing. Now draw a line through the top. Okay. That's, that's our instance of Planck time. So where the where the matter is the circle that's on the top and the circle on the bottom that's where it intersects our that's where it intersects our instance of Planck time that's where it intersects our time 
and it's oscillating in a four a four plank length circle and so you see at the at the upper left and the lower left and the upper right and the lower right it's off the hologram do you see that mm -hmm. okay so imagine it's spinning around now when it's in the top and when it's in the bottom it's hitting the hologram so we can see it okay mm. that is observable matter when it's it's spinning around the whole time though and so whenever it's in the upper left or the lower left or the upper right or the lower right that's when it's fucking dark matter okay right. that's when it's off the hologram and the only way we can interact with it is if is the gravity like mm -hmm. it's no light it's you know so so if you if you look if you look if you do the geometry right the circumference of that circle is four times pi which is like 12 and a half right so the the orbit is 12 and a half long but only for two of those plank links when it intersects the top and it intersects the bottom only for two of those plank links is it observable okay right so it's only two if you if you subtract off from like 12.55 or whatever subtract off the two that we can see now the ratio is two to 10.55 right because we took the two off two to 10.55 is the same as one to 5.25 and guess what that's the fucking exact ratio of dark matter of measured really? scientific matter to dark matter so the fucking ratio that is the ratio wow. of dark matter to matter wow <laughs> that's incredible dude yeah dude and so when you start thinking that about, is very that's actually very significant to realize that dude now and am i wrong could i be wrong fuck maybe probably not i don't think so but if you notice when we talk about and and this is really like i i didn't arrive at this sonic gravity theory of everything because i fucking thought it up i didn't all i did was open my mind and receive all of these like for four or five months i was just soaking up as much quantum yeah. physics and everything as i could and then i'm just like shit just fucking falls into place and i'm like that's it because yeah whenever you whenever you get a piece of new something new it has to fit or it ain't right or something ain't right and so right. and so and so here's the thing the the what we were talking remember i was talking about like the free electron correction yeah okay so in the math of quantum field theory when they're talking about this electron this free electron right that is going like this right for like eight pi times eight thirds pi so anyway the fucking time that it's off of the hologram the same time in their math the mass in their math goes to infinity right it does and and it's the same fucking math it's the reason einstein thought that when shit goes to the speed of light mass goes to infinity because right. that's what their math tells them they're fucking wrong and you know what they do because they know it fucking doesn't go to infinity they cheat and so during the time when <laughs> it would go to infinity you know what they do they measure the actual mass and they go, fuck it. And they take it out of their equation and they put in what they think the mass is. Yeah. They just swap they just, them to place. You have they no just, idea how often they, they just do that. fudge factor it. They're like, they fuck it. it. Well, it kind of goes to infinity. So, so we're going to ignore what our math says and we're going to put in what we know it is. 
But here's the thing. So what they didn't come up with, and I call this like Voorhees mass action. I call it the, it's the quantum Lagrangian, which is essentially to say that the, when, when shit moves and gravity sort of pulls it out, more of it goes into the, off the hologram. Right. Right. And so, and then the reason I came to this concept was, okay, so imagine there's all these slices of cheese, right? All these different times. So at some point over here, you and me are astronauts, right? Mm-hmm. And we're floating in space next to each other, just chilling, right? And that's like at this time. And then, okay, so the energy here has to be constant, right? And so then at a time over here, somewhere in the middle, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, bro, and I hit you, right? In the middle. And now we're both moving, okay? And then so sometime in the, you know, further down the way, you take a snapshot of that. Yeah. So the mass energy has to be equal when we're stationary and it has to be equal to the stationary when we're moving, right? So how the fuck can that be equal in a closed system if we're stationary and it's equal when we're moving? Because when we're moving, we have like momentum, which is more energy. Right. So how can it possibly work that when we're stationary compared to when we're moving, the fucking mass energy is the same. And the the way it is, is because when we're not moving, we're fucking heavier. Right. We have more mass. But when we start moving, we have to trade some of that mass into fucking dark energy. So we don't bust conservation of mass energy. So the faster something goes, the less it weighs. It has to be. The universe, because, no matter what, is going to reflex itself back to that center point, has to, to be the equal, center place and the equilibrium, no matter what. If you push against it, it's literally like just pushing against the wall of reality and it's going to reflex back. There is a jiggle there and you can yeah. play with it and break the rules it's gravity. of that surface tension. When I shove yeah. you, you feel gra- like you feel the push of your acceleration. Well, guess what? That was the universe pulling a little piece of your mass away. So that, you know, because I mean, think about it. If you're 10 pounds going one mile an hour, and this is a real simplification, you're 10 pounds going one mile an hour in order to be equal. If you're going 10 miles an hour, well, now you have to be one pound, right? Or you're not equal. Right. Because it's like, because it would be like, you know, 10 times one is 10, 10, one times 10 is 10. So if you're one pound going 10 miles an hour or 10 pounds going one mile an hour, it has to be equal. So I think that Einstein, you know, everybody who says Einstein got it wrong is fucking proven wrong. That's like, I don't think anybody's like ever proven Einstein wrong. But here's the thing. You know how E equals MC squared, right? I think Einstein doesn't have all the mass in his equation because he only has MC, the M in his MC squared is only them two pieces. Right. So he needs four pi divided by the G factor to get all the mass. And so if you look on like my blog, I did this 10 page paper that kind of lays out all the math and the geometry. And so if I'm right, then the Einstein Voorhees energy of mass equation, which includes all the dark matter Mm. is four pi divided by the G factor times the observable mass times C squared. That's what it is. E equals all of it times C squared, not just the mass that you can see. Right. And when you, when you do that, Oh yeah. Work out. 
Yeah, it has oh. to count. All of it has to count. You can't just count the mass. You have to count all the unseen factors. And oh, when wow. all you're doing, if all you're doing in space is what you can weigh and all that shit, then E equals MC squared works fine. Right. But when you're talking about the quantum level, it's there's no fucking such thing as mass at the quantum level. It's not mass. Mass is energy. It's right. bound energy. Right. And so the reason none of this shit works when you get to the quantum level and the reason they have to fucking cheat on their, um, uh, you know, their free energy of the electron. The reason they have to cheat is because they don't have what I call Voorhees mass action, which is essentially the reservoir of energy of the dark matter. Right. That is the, that is the sum of the energy of all the shit that's off the hologram. It's literally like they're the E equals MC squared. The mass part of that equation is only accounting for like the crust. Only, only the, crust. the two. Only where it intersects. Only in the oh, two places yeah. where it intersects. Yeah. Really quick, I want to shout out Andy. This is the first ever super chat donation ever on this channel since Bro. becoming monetized. Thank you so much. You're the first one ever to hit the super chat button. I don't even call it out or point it out or whatever. I think if anybody's loving the show and digging it they're gonna find it down there uh and all i did was say thanks guys so that was really awesome of you thank you so much for donating to the show it's been so amazing so far i don't want to stop yet are you okay on time no yeah i'm good man Fuck got another like another 20 minutes or so here so i'm gonna go over here i got an hour 20 man i mean (laughs) ashley said i put the girls to bed so you know cool i'm gonna dig through the comment section right now because we're going into the night owl segment here (laughs) let's see uh Let's see. Gravity's based on mass. Let's see. Rondonautica. Do you know what Rondonautica is? What in the world is that? Rondonautica, Andy. <laughs> Sapphire wants to know what that is. Let's see. Uh, looking for questions. Keep going, uh, Brad. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about your... I kind of cut you off there because oh. the super chat got me excited. So I'm going to pick up Yeah, some. right? No. That's it. inaugural. <laughs> that's like... You know, that's, that's big. a big deal I to me. Yeah, it's taking a yeah. long time, and you were the one. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, Andy's the man. Like, yeah. Sure. So, well, you know, the one thing that that like, so we were talking about if, yeah, E equals MC squared. That's for the observable matter, and what we're talking about is all the rest of it that's off the hologram. Like, so it's actually the energy of mass. I think is actually the equation is four pi divided by the g factor, which is like two times the observable mass that you see times c squared and when you think about it here's the thing so if you were totally at rest if you're absolutely totally at rest then e would equal all of mc squared but the thing is is we're like you said before the milky way is flying towards andromeda and we're like zipping around in circles around the milky way plus we're going around the sun and there's actually parallax motion like this of, you know, right. the, the sun while we're going. So, and so I think that when you look at that, the reason 5.25, uh, reason there's 5.25 times more ma- dark matter is because we're actually moving through space that fast. Mm. You know, if, if all of a sudden we stopped, we would be, we would weigh everything, Right but we're actually zipping around really fast. And that's why we only weigh 18% of like, you know, our mass is observable. 
kind of I think like if the, we went in the same way yeah. that the hum, the hummingbird is sort of cheating it there as in a universal yeah. way we're we're all kind of doing that at a certain level yeah we're all flying at some insane speed through the universe but we but and that's why some of our matter is dark matter right now right but if we slow down if our speed slowed down we'd get heavier if it went faster we'd get lighter i think right here's another good question from sapphire elf says uh is einstein yeah let's see infinite speed equals infinite density but you cannot add mass to the universe is that why things must become lighter to keep with the relativity of the universe yes sapphire that's what that's what i think but you got to realize that i'm i'm taking on stein when i do that you know what i mean and i'm (laughs) taking on every single theoretical physicist that ever lived who was like into that i'm the only person that i know of that thinks that that is impossible right and i and and the one thing that i I think kind of helps me in some ways is that if i'm right is that it's the same reason that the wave equations when they in the free electron that they they go to infinity when it goes off the hologram they go to infinity when it becomes dark matter and that makes sense because what is supposed to happen and i think if einstein understood if he understood quantum gravity and this sounds fucking so arrogant but if if einstein understood quantum gravity like i think i do then i think he'd say oh fuck yeah you're right it goes off the hologram yeah it it becomes it's the quantum lagrangian it's kind of that reservoir of black or i'm sorry of dark matter that that happens when you accelerate you you some of your shit becomes dark matter and when you think about a photon which is moving at the speed of light which is massless mm-hmm. you know why isn't a fucking photon infinitely heavy then cuz it's going the speed of light right you know so so i'm just in at least in my mind what i'm saying seems internally consistent it makes sense to me and right and i think the reason that everybody in the field of theoretical phys- physics thinks it makes sense that shit gets heavier is because all they're going by is the math and that's what they think the math says and so that's what they're going by but i'm like kind of I'm channeling you. I feel like my understanding of the universe comes from that sacred geometry like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it just makes sense to me. And they'll go, oh, you're a fucking pseudoscientist. You don't know shit. And maybe that's true. But I think what I'm saying makes a lot of sense. And I I really invite, you know, anybody to, you know, come needle dick the, the sonic gravity theory of everything. Show me where it's wrong. Right. You know, and, and nobody will. Nobody, nobody, I can't get anybody to, I want to play Take Down the Madman. I want to play, I want theoretical physicists to come and tell me why what I'm saying doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because I think it makes, per- I want to know. Because, like, help get me smarter. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, somehow we, the idea might be wrong. I, somehow, I, you know, I, we, we get these, like, pillars of academia that become like these sacred things that cannot be touched. And it takes a madman like you to come and rattle those pillars around and not care and kind of wreak havoc and look at it from an alternative perspective to just even fathom the idea that, well, like, you know, 
Einstein was making a discovery and he nailed down this one part of it. But even in their time, they weren't really fathoming the, this reservoir of dark matter that that even like the Hadron Collider at CERN and those guys are uncovering. And he didn't understand the Higgs boson and the, the echo phenomenon and all of that stuff. There's so much that has come out of the research and even just our understanding of the universe since then that sure like a tool serves its purpose for its time and gets you to a certain point but sometimes you realize that the tool that you've been using is now slowing you down and you need to do something because you've evolved and become more efficient than the tool can provide you uh efficiency and so that's what you're trying to do is to poke at that to prod at it to challenge it and to see if you can bend that and the truth is you see it all around you like you said in the sacred geometry when you get away from the number crunching and and how it doesn't make sense and all the cheating that goes on there you push away from that and you just look at reality you see the sacred geometry on the most sacred places inside the temples of egypt and you see it in these buddhist monasteries on the ceiling and all of this stuff is and the kala chakra mandalas in tibet and stuff all are these sacred geometric symbols this one that i held up during the podcast is is uh, ezekiel's wheel it has to do with the vision of uh or metatron's this is metatron's symbol where ezekiel went up on the craft into the sky and met god supposedly and learned these sacred symbols and things and it all comes back to the that molecular biology and the dna and the whole fabric of reality wraps around and once you look at that like you said you're just looking at reality trying to fathom it within your mind and this sacred geometry unfolds and then suddenly you realize that the numbers over here on paper are not doing its job it's not quite adding up all the way you know yeah and the physicists know that too anytime they see a singularity or some shit goes to infinity or whatever yeah then you know i mean and let me tell you what these physicists are brilliant brilliant people i mean they're doing math and they're coming up it's like they're it's like all of the, i feel like all of the physicists that you know essentially i'm learning I mean, like they toil and grind and whatever, and they come up with like these bricks, these yeah. bricks of truth, you know, and they did it with the math and they did it with like incredibly hard work and crazy analytics and, you know, blistering rigor and all kinds of brilliant experiments and everything. And they're, they're coming up with this gold. And so, and really in some ways I'm just, like an intellectual traveler right i'm just i'm just like trying to learn and appreciate and breathe in and and just like own and absorb all of the brilliancies like you know you're talking about like the crowning achievements of the lives of all these physicists and i'm like okay i got it there you know i believe you i'm grabbing this i'm grabbing that i'm grabbing this and I just soaked in as much as I could. And I just really tried, yeah, just tried to assemble all of the truth that I was like pulling from all these different brilliant yeah. uh, physicists. And it's like, and I was just accepting. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I just opened my mind. I'm taking that. I'm putting it in here. I'm taking that. I'm putting it in here. And then I just kind of, it's like a puzzle. And I just, I see where things are fitting. You know, and then all of a sudden it just kind of boom, it's just all right there. 
And so when you think of quantum teleportation, oh man, Grant, he's my, he's my, he's my brother. So, (laughs) but like quantum teleportation, right? So we're on this. So they think at the very basic level, like particles pop in and out of space and shit, but that's not what's happening. We have a plane and there's like a corkscrew and it hits and then 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 it hits. So in the math, it looks like shit is fucking jumping around everywhere, but it's not jumping around everywhere. It's just ticking the hologram in different places. Yeah. Can I, I'm not, so, we're going to, I want to get to Grant's question here about metamaterials in a second, but that brings up something that's uh, been puzzling me that goes to this hmm, photons 100% wow <laughs> comment from Sapphire Elf. And, and it's this idea that if you fathom for a second, like let's say you take a single uh, electron, right, that we know can travel just infinitely fast, right? Like sure. a photon or whatever. Let's take an electron and you say, here it is over here. And you've got it in this one place as a like a particle. Mm-hmm. And it can instantaneously like turn off and then turn on over here, turn off, turn on, turn off. Right. And if it's Mm -hmm. able to do that infinitely fast, then technically the rate of speed goes up so fast that it's perceived as being two places at once. Like, Mm -hmm. and this is no longer perceived as just a particle here and there and here and there. Sure, you can point and measure it as a particle over here and detect it. But technically, it's going so fast beyond the speed of light that it's capable of being here and here simultaneous to our. Mm -hmm time and time space speed and all that and of awareness so if that's possible then then you have what if it's over here too and what if it's over here too and we're talking about one particle that has the quantum ability to become a unified field throughout all reality one single point that is the all in a way that we don't fathom and and technically even the particle that's I think is me it is also you and this idea of oneness in this unified field. But then when you're in that, you're, you are an individual and you're going through it and you, it's all slowed down and you don't perceive it that way. But that's why it's so paradoxical. This idea yeah. of like of how something can be in a superposition paradoxically mm-hmm. in two places at once could be a unified perceived as a unified field and a particle at the same time, depending on how you're measuring it. I don't know. If, I, yeah, you know? no, I think there's some math out there. Like there's a, there's like a one electron kind of, uh, you know, like conjecture yeah. that, you know, it's like, and I don't really understand it, but I do know that there are people who have like, kind of like shown that it's mathematically plausible that maybe everybody shares the same fucking electron and like that's you know right is that true i don't know it seems kind of nutty but maybe it's right i don't know but there's math out there and that is not a totally implausible thing but when you think about this and this is when it made perfect sense to me like in some ways we see ourselves as separate from the universe yeah and nothing could fucking be further from the truth because you think about you're in a traffic jam right like you're like fuck this traffic jam it's like it's making me late fucking six hours and i haven't gone anywhere so like when you're in a traffic jam you think the fucking traffic jam is slowing you down but then everybody else thinks you're the fucking jam right so it's like pardon my french 
I don't want to get you in trouble or anything for swearing or whatever. That's all right. But, but it's, but it's, you know, we are more part of the universe and the whole thing about being on the hologram and, you know, fighting with time for the energy, you know, our, our consciousness fighting with time for the energy. It, we're a lot, we're a lot more part of the universe than we really think. Same thing going back to the metaphor or analogy of being in a dream. When something in a dream looks like it's way over there or way over here or separate from you, technically it's a unified field experience where you're even perceiving everything within that realm as different objects and colors and even people and characters that will come up and and talk to you when ultimately the dream is one unified field of uh, psychic experience that's occurring just within the self. And it's hard for us to fathom that. And when we wake up, it's so convincing during the daytime and physical reality that you just don't, it's like being completely hypnotized by it in the illusion. And you can't even fathom that everything you're perceiving in physical reality is like a hologram. It's like a dream, but it's the most crust physical edge imaginable possible because it's where the rubber meets the road and that's where mm-hmm. we're actually gripping onto the edge of reality and trying to perceive it and gain information and learn you know whereas yeah. at night as at night you let go and kind of re- your consciousness relax and expands out into that field and becomes like that whole field but it's not that much different when you really start probing at it you know yeah and think too like so imagine if let's just accept for the sake of argument, the hypothesis that we are, that you and me, our consciousness is on the hologram right now. And we're running our consciousness. We're slowing time down, but you and I are connecting. I'm receiving signals from the hologram that see your face. I'm receiving signals from the hologram that is your voice. And so, so think about this. So, our energy, right? If we're energy, our consciousness energy running over the circuits of the hologram, our energy is like mingling. Like yeah. literally is is interacting. You like you're you're I'm getting your energy. You're getting and I'm not talking about like touchy feely, like you know, 60s lava lamps or anything like that. I'm talking about your energy is affecting yeah. my energy, and that's a fact. Absolutely. And, And, but then when you think about that now, like, you know, what's it called when people distance viewing? Remote viewing. Yeah. Remote viewing. I've been doing that. I've done it. I'm three for three now. (laughs) It seems a lot more plausible now because in some ways, if, if my energy is like, is you're detecting it, right? Yeah. Then all you're talking about is maybe your energy detecting some shit in a different direction. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, things become you know we know if our neuron density went higher it, to the point where you know like air was like water then actually we could fly because we could just swim through the air like it was water or we could run like the flash or we could lift cars because they're buoyant in in the water right or in the in the in the in the atmosphere so like when consciousness is so powerful and everybody's i think everybody sort of poo-poos it and everybody says oh you're fucking crazy you're a crackpot or whatever but i i don't i think there's so much power and it's really i only like i'm not a consciousness like 
person like that. Like I haven't been thinking about consciousness at all, except for like the last month or so when I realized that if we're on the hologram, there's some the consciousness hummingbirds. Yeah. Maybe there's something to this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I, so I don't, now I'm getting to the point where, you know, I'm like, I need to open my mind. Like I need yeah, man. to listen to guys like you who've spent so much time, you know, in the question pondering, Hey, what can I learn from many ancient civilizations? Yeah. Cause you talk about stuff. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'll tell you what, man, I'm soaking it up. Yeah. And I'm going to remember like, and I think there's so much and it's, and you know, some people are like, maybe they're not right or something. That's cool. But I think until we really sit in the question and we try to soak up like, you know, the things that we can and see if it fits into our puzzle, see if it makes sense. That's, you know, I'm, you know, I, I believe people when they say, Hey, I got abducted. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to believe him. I mean, there's some people that are going to lie, but there are some people I'm fucking certain that are true because like, think about why, even if it's us, like all of the, you know, like the viruses going around and, you know, I'm not, I'm vaccinated, right? I'm not like an anti-vaxxer, but this pill from Merck, this Molniropiravir, there's a, there's a, there's a, the medicine that Merck just put out, this pill, it kills the virus. It kills the coronavirus by mutating it inside you. Like, that's a fact. You can look it up. I, does anybody, I think the fucking zombies are coming, man. Like, there's just no way. And Did like, you know that they, they just, they literally just like two days ago started constructing like a 20 foot wall around the Capitol building with, uh, wow, literally in Washington. Like, why? Why are they building a wall? Around the <laughs> Maybe there is a zombie horde coming, you know? I mean, I mean, think about it. Like we're in a situation now, you know, we see pictures of like aliens, like, or like, you know, you know, ostensibly they're, you know, extraterrestrials that have like big heads and stuff. Let me tell you what Zika does that to your head too. It really does. Like Zika, you know, remember how like, you know, it was like in mosquitoes and it was causing birth defects and all that stuff. Like what if somebody taking Molniropiravir and I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just like, just, whether ask yourself if it's plausible somebody who's taking a pill that mutates coronavirus which is like the most prolifically contagious virus what if that person has like is infected with zika and coronavirus has a baby with zika and now you know people are you get aerosol zika or aerosol herpes or aerosol aids like it's possible and that we I, I think what we're like with how we're just like putting all kinds of shit in our bodies that we just don't even know what we're doing. What if in the future we pollute our DNA so bad that we really start having major problems? Yeah. Well, now the vag and time travel, if that's plausible, it kind of makes sense that you would abduct people to try and unfuck the gene pool Dude, by there's, getting pure by getting pure DNA from the past. There's like, so many stories too, Brad, where they talk about like these extraterrestrials or the aliens in the story that they report after they're being abducted. They say that they were told 
that these entities come from like the future or an alternate timeline where through trying to survive the harshness of the that environment of the planet or the ionosphere or disease and things they go underground and get into these cloning operations and they deplete their dna and gene pool to where it's like unsurvivable so their only chance then is to try and go back and affect time through these time loops and to go back and affect their own reality in the future and save themselves by going back and correcting their mistakes and and i don't know how plausible that is but it's super strange to fathom all the different possibilities you know like could we have in in the future far distant future pigeonholed ourselves into a non-survivable situation genetically where we're too polluted on the planet and our dna and genetics through all this modifications and integrating technology into our systems we become like uh screwed up and the only mm -hmm. way out of this cloning mess that we're in is to go back and try to affect timelines and stuff but uh it seems to be really messy and anomalous and i want to get to brad's question really quick he was asking about metamaterials do you think there's any kind of particular material for your free energy device or a meta material that maybe is a secret that you think might hold a key to unlocking all this or like where the power yeah. differential that you're missing or something to really make it pop and turn on is maybe like a, an element that we're not aware of or hasn't been quite yeah. put to use the right way yet. Yeah. So, okay. So um, there's sort of two, I think um, there's two things. So, and I want to talk about like, the um the free quantum unlimited energy so yeah so and and then yeah de then we'll get to that meta material and how that comes in and why people are so hung up on meta materials so okay so you have this spinner in my anti-gravity engine and so it spins right it puts out this field right that makes the uh apparatus massless well, it's still creating energy, right? Right. Like the, the action of the Faraday disk and everything creates energy because remember it spins around the magnets and it shoves the electrons there. So it's minus in the middle of the disk and it's plus on the end of the disk. And so it's like a battery, right? right. And you connect it, it's like a battery. So, so the disk is spinning, right? It becomes massless. It becomes, it, 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 it reduces its mass, Okay. So now there's less friction, <clears throat> there's less resistance, it spins faster, creates a bigger field, more power, and more masslessness. Spins faster because it's less mass. And so essentially, it's like this feedback loop where it gets faster because it gets massless, which creates more power, which makes it go faster, which makes it... And so pretty right. at some point, it, it, it becomes completely massless takes almost no energy to sustain because it's completely massless and now the energy it creates can feed itself to spin its massless spinner and so it's essentially completely massless takes almost no energy to spin and it's pumping out energy right and so 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 it could be the source <clears throat> excuse me of free eternal quantum green energy right. because if it works and it spins itself into masslessness 
then the more it spins, the lighter it gets, the more energy it creates, and it just keeps going. And so well, that's how it could technically maybe. Oh, excuse me. You're good. Do you think, Brad, that it will create, like you say, there's there has to be the counter effect or kind of the reflex <laughs> of that where it creates a dark matter kind of exhaust uh, from yep. that experience? Do you do you think that's why with like UFOs and UAPs, there's this idea of like a well, not only anti gravity travel, but almost like a super cavitation, like a bubble around it of energy. Do you think it could be sort of harnessed or self-contained? And that's one of the things where you could, because it appears like they have the ability to not only do the technology that you're inventing and talking about and building, they have advanced levels of it to where they're able to basically control it. And speaking Mm -hmm. of like uh, remote viewers and people that come out of this, uh, these secret departments, they claim that a lot of these craft are controlled by consciousness. The pilots aren't in there using joysticks and knobs and stuff like a f-16 fighter pilot or anything they're they're interfacing with the like almost an intelligent craft in a sense because uh or it's perceived that way simply because it's moving outside of space time i don't know how it all works yes okay so here's quantum pocket around it okay yeah yeah so here's quantum propulsion right so what happens is is when you there's something called casimir force right and so what's going to happen when we create this member? Okay, so we're taking, and it's actually a disc. It's, we're not going to use, when we make our craft, we're not going to use like a solid disc that blows a solid field. What we're going to have is a hoop, okay? So it's going to create a hoop of magnetic field and then a hoop of magnetic field here. So you're still in your orb, but inside is undisturbed. And that's how you're going to get that's how you're going to get pilots in that craft is because you're not going to do a magnetic field. That's a pure disc circle. You're going to do a hoop. So it's like, so it's like a force field of masslessness. Mm. And so what happens is, is that this is what I think happens. So technically when you decouple the Higgs field, you actually do, you renormalize the Higgs field breaks the symmetry of the electroweak force. And the electroweak force, the, the weak part of it is the weak nuclear force. Now, the weak nuclear force is the force that wants everything to be equal. It's the force that when you push a suction cup on a window and you try to pull it off, it, the, the, electri- the weak nuclear force is pushing on the back of the suction cup to hold it there because it gets mad if you create a vacuum. It does not want to see a vacuum. And so it's whenever you try to start creating a vacuum... It's pushing like air, matter. It's trying to shove matter into that vacuum because it does not like a vacuum. That's called low entropy. And it's like the difference in the outside versus the inside of where that vacuum is. That difference is is energy. It is. And so that's what we call Casimir forces. And so when we create a bubble of masslessness, right? We essentially, the Higgs field breaks the symmetry of the weak nuclear force. And that's why the weak nuclear force is like really, really, really weak. But when we renormalize the weak nuclear force by ejecting the Higgs field, now the weak nuclear force is really strong. And now it's trying, and I call this a mass hole, right? That's the mass hole. When you kick your mass out, you create a mass hole in the universe. 
And now the weak nuclear force knows that there's no mass there because through what they call quantum fluctuations, it's like the weak nuclear force, even though it's not touching it, that's like, I know there's massless in there. I need to shove some mass in there. So here's your orb of your, uh, <clears throat> your, your uh, essentially anti-gravity field. And the weak nuclear force is shoving you know uniformly all around it trying to shove stuff in like, there like suddenly <laughs> cav- cavitating an air pocket down under the pressure of the ocean the entire field of the ocean around it wants to immediately collapse that emptiness back into balance yeah and so you're, yeah exactly now i think okay so if you look at the payas patents and all that and they talk about cavitation and everything I don't know. I think that's. I think those payas patents are sort of false flag, like counterintelligence. I think they're trying to get the Russians and the Chinese off on the wrong foot. Hmm. Because what I think makes us able to zip around and stuff is masslessness, and our particles aren't constrained. They're not like tied to the, and we don't have like bosons and all that kind of stuff. So it's like I think things can pass through us. I don't think we're hypercavitating around things i think we're actually things are like things are going through us we are essentially quantum teleporting at scale right and so so i think i don't think we are i think things can just pass through us when we're in this state and i don't know somebody might be smarter than that than me but i don't think it's because we're shaking i think our particles are oscillating at the speed of light and i think we can just go through stuff but but so the way that you can fly around. Okay, so we have this area that's undisturbed. So like you and me are like high-fiving in there. We're like, you know, you know, having a apple juice or something. You know, like everything kind of works. You can you can kind of steer and everything. Because one of the big things I was like, dude, how do you steer if you're like everything's passing through you and stuff? And then I was like, oh, no, it's a hoop. So things are like regular in the middle. Right. And so And so I think what happens is, we manipulate the quantum vacuum. And the, the way we do this is, so say you have your mass hole, the weak nuclear force is shoving super hard everywhere, trying to cram stuff into our mass hole, but it's not working. And so it's constantly pushing all around us. So what we do is, is we have directional microwave emitters. Okay. And what that's going to do is if we shoot and just like, you know, the microwave that you cook your food in your ramen, your hot pockets or whatever, so you turn it on and it's going to put some energy into a, a spot of that field. Okay. And so what you're doing is you're manipulating the quantum vacuum. You're creating, if like, say here's your ship, right? And it's pointed this way. Well, if you shoot directional microwaves this way, then the, the weak nuclear force is going to go, oh, there's something here. I don't have to push as hard on the front. Mm-hmm. And so... They're going to push less hard on the front and it's going to push more on the back. And so essentially you're going to shoot microwaves and you're going to tractor beam yourself around because. Which maybe why you get this sense of them like being swooshy in the air like this when they're yeah. trying to hold still. They're like, Ooh. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll just like, but if you wanted to go up, you would just shoot microwaves up and then the it would put a little bit of energy. So the weak nuclear force wouldn't push as hard up here because it'd be like oh there's some stuff here but where there's nothing it's pushing harder right and so it pushes harder on the on the in the in the direction behind where you shoot them 
and it pushes less hard here. And that differential will shoot you, especially you're massless. So you only need like a, and you, you know, take off. Yeah. And technically you could fly through mountains, solid objects through the ocean, even, and not even really create a splash or like, yeah, uh, all kinds of bizarre phenomenon you, you perceive. You might even perceive them just as like a ball of light or orb or a plasma shape or sphere because they're existing in this kind of like quantum massless state that gives yeah. off vast amounts of energy and radiation and things. If if there's something malfunctioning or they have to stop and fix something, it could get all kinds of anomalous. Yeah, I have a conjecture about that too. Like, you know how you'll see, you see like maybe you'll see like a big ball of light, right? Yeah. Well, remember... You're looking through a wormhole and there's tons of gravity around that quantum echo Mm. and gravity will lens light like gravity. Well, gravity is energy. Energy bends space and light goes through space. And so essentially the gravity lenses that light. So you're looking at the other side. Yeah, but it's it's scrambling all that light because it's because of the gravity. And so if, if you see a big light ball at night, okay. I think you're seeing that ball because on the other side of that wormhole, it's daytime. So you're seeing the daylight come through, but it's scrambled by all that gravity. And so it looks like a big poofy light ball. Sometimes you'll see them and they'll be red. And I think it's because it's sunset on the other side. And sometimes you'll see them and they'll be like a dark halo. And I think it's because it's nighttime on the other side there. This is also why sometimes they appear like a ball that comes down and then like a being will just walk out of it like they see... Sometimes like you'll see a shadow figure or something walk out and then just disappear. And like, who knows how weird this could get? You know, we don't even fathom it. You're just scratching the surface of it and trying to like build this device in your own house on your back back porch to even just, just to pick at this question to try and see if it can be had, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, Gary Voorhees, right? UAPX. Oh yeah. Yeah. he, He owns UAPX and he's, he's making these vehicles and they're going to be tricked out with like all kinds of sensors and everything. And I gave him 250 bucks for that. And I was like, dude, I want you to put a spectrometer on a telescope. And if you catch a ball of light, right? Like a UAP, that's one of those like light balls. I want you to give me a a spectrometer, a reading. I want you to take a reading on that light that's coming out of that big white ball. Because if the spec, if the, if the spectrometer, if the analysis, it's like the, you know, they do like the different wavelengths of light and all that shit. Well, if he does a spectral reading, uh, you know, spectrometer reading, um, spectrography, whatever it's called, uh, spectrographic, whatever they call it. But if he gets a reading on that light and if that light matches the light from daytime, then I'm fucking right. right. If he takes a reading from that light, and it's daylight coming through and he does a reading and it looks like the fingerprint and the fingerprint matches when he takes a reading of regular sunlight in our time. Then that means it's a wormhole because there's sunlight coming through that wormhole. And if that sunlight matches our sunlight, then I'm right. That's fascinating. And it's so like looking, that's why I want looking to... through a window or a porthole almost yeah. more than you're actually seeing the craft itself. Yeah, Until and if that light matches our, our sunlight, if if the if yeah. the if the frequencies of all the light and all that, if it's a if it's an exact match between 
the light that's coming out of that UAP hole, the, uh, what I think is a wormhole, if that, if that, you know, spectrometer reading matches just a regular spectrometer reading from, from daylight, from just, you know, our daylight, then it corroborates the quantum echo hypothesis. And I'm right. Yeah. And even if you're out there in the dark and your eyes are all adjusted and dilated, and then one of these things kind of manifests in the sky or whatever, then, uh, depending on the angle, you know, of course you're thinking that the sun is set and on the other side of the planet and everything, but if this thing appears and you're seeing a glimpse through like a wormhole or whatever to the other side, the sun could be actually in, in the future, timeline, in the future, the sun's there. Up. So where it's like looking right at the sun. So when it appears yeah. or blinks in and out of our physical reality, it's like, wow, like looking at a welding torch. Cause you're trying to look at right where the sun is on the other side, right at the sun yeah. on a, on a bright day. And other times, wow, so fascinating, man. And I mean, that makes the sonic gravity, quantum echo hypothesis in 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 the scientific method that makes it falsifiable like that's legit that's a legit hypothesis because if you take a spectrometer reading of one of those things in the middle of the night and the light coming out of it is the same as daylight then then okay it's corroborated that kind of is a big check mark in favor of the sonic gravity quantum echo hypothesis but if it comes out different then that means that's a check mark against it. Right. So, and when something is falsifiable, when you can do a test and see one way or the other, if it's right or wrong, if the prediction is incorrect, then it's falsifiable. So it's, it's legit. It's a legit scientific hypothesis. Oh, and Grant asked about um, metamaterials. So, yeah. so when we do this to hold open a wormhole, right? To hold open a wormhole, you need negative energy density. The math to get like the equations to work, right? You need negative energy density, okay? And right now they're like, fuck, how do we create negative energy density, right? How do you do it? And so we know in the quantum echo hypothesis, we become massless. Our, our, our mass trails in the past, right? Like, you know, toilet paper at the bottom of our shoe. And it's the stretch in the Higgs string, my understanding of quantum gravity, that gives us gravity. Because when you stretch the Higgs string the same way that like when you take off in the rocket ship and you get stretched in time, right? that those Gs you feel, that's gravity. And so think of the crazy amount of gravity when you're, all your mass like drags way back into the past, right? That's going to create so much gravity. And our particles are massless. So there's no positive energy density from, from mass. Right. So all we're sitting in is an ass load of negative energy density. And that's what you need in the math to hold open a wormhole. So, mm. so my negative energy density comes from the gravity of decoupling the Higgs field and, and throwing a quantum echo into the past. So I get my negative energy density in my quantum echo hypothesis by decoupling the Higgs field creates an ass load of gravity around my massless, around my massless uh, ness. And so I'm sitting on a shitload of negative energy density. And that's a fact, right? And so, but in order to get, but, but nobody else does it that way. 
what they're saying is they want to create a funky material that has negative energy density because it doesn't everybody agrees that what you need is either an exotic material that will just give it to you and some people think you know plasma can do it super fucking hot plasma and that's cool plasma could do it. there's a lot of people that are like pushing that and like maybe you know plasma could do it because if it things in super high temperatures fuck with quantum fields and so it could work but i don't know man like how are you gonna fucking hold on to a billion degree ball of plasma like i mean like you 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 know like uh some people think maybe a magnetic you know jar or something maybe they could yeah but but i think that's just like in the way too hard to do category you know i don't and you know making some material that can slow light down or something well they're even know. thinking there's one of the theories you know the metamaterial that they've only recovered it from crashed ufos or they've only been given it by extraterrestrials and here's the thing about that is that when when you hear Bob Lazar talk about that, like when he was in Area 51 doing experiments on the on the UFO craft, that they had this metamaterial that they put in this little coupler and they put a cup on it and then it created all this like free energy and they couldn't understand it. It's so awfully convenient to keep like China and Russia and our adversaries from actually discovering that all of this can run off of like simple things like that you're building in your house and that when they uncover that it, it doesn't take that much, you don't want anybody else to figure that out. And so you say the only way that you can make these things fly was this is impossible interdimensional material that comes from another universe or from aliens. So unless you can talk to aliens and get some, we're the only ones that have it. And so immediately people just go, ah, and they quit even trying to figure it out because they're never going to find metamaterial and they're not talking to aliens to get uh, you know, show and tell and let's trade for some of your metamaterial and we'll give you this or whatever. So it would really make it convenient to keep all of this stuff seeming impossible to do at home if you had to have alien metamaterials in order to pull it off. But you're trying to just look at the fabric of reality and say this stuff is possible just by looking and just by paying attention to how things work how everything yeah, is just operating. listen yeah. to the physics the physicists who have come before us and done all those brilliant experiments and come up with just all those just like just i mean just impossibly complex equations that tell us all these like different things just just open your mind to it and soak them in and then just assemble the pieces where they fit right. that's all i did man and yeah. like and if you listen to the quantum echo hypothesis, I put in every single snippet of like where I heard this different stuff. I just put it, I put it all in there. Cause like, I didn't figure this out. You know what I mean? Like right. I didn't do all this math, but I'm listening to the people who did. And I'm truly trying to own, I'm trying to love what their, their life's work. I'm trying to like really appreciate what it means and where it fits and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and so in a lot of ways, I'm not really bringing anything to the table. I'm not like, you know, all I'm doing is just trying to essentially appreciate and really like suck the life force out of everything that, that just really brilliant people have done before, uh, 
before I started flipping out when the Navy confirmed the existence of UFOs. Yeah. Well, man, you know what makes a madman? You know, you talk and you joke about it and you say, I'm a, I'm a madman and I'm doing this and that. But really what's crazy is somebody sitting there just crunching a bunch of numbers on paper and coming up with theories and they have to erase half of the equation because it doesn't add up and they just get stuck chasing their own tail down the same dead end mazes and hitting their head against the wall. And sometimes you just have to take an alternative point of view and just say, well, let's see. Let's just see if we can make this thing and let's see. And just in the process of trying to get to the bottom of it and build this thing, we're having these conversations. You're going on all these other shows. You're exploring the nature of reality as a whole being on the surface of a black hole uh, and the, the fabric of who we are. And it unfolds like this whole deeper level of the mystery of reality and what it means to be a human being. And Brad, we've been going almost uh, two and a half hours here. It's been oh, just yeah, like man. this incredible, beautiful conversation. And I want to have this conversation again. When oh, are you yeah. going to be trying to turn the vag on? Which, by the way, I love that everything is named with like Freudian, like you have the mass, <laughs> the mass hole. <laughs> Make sure and leave the M on there, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the vag and the mass. It's so fun because it just flies in the face of all these stuffy mm. people in suits and ties and <laughs> the academia that thinks. But I mean, you're obviously onto something and you've got a concept and a, a view of reality that fits in with everything I'm doing, studying the ancient past and the mysteries. I think that's the balance to all this. It's like there's a, uh, they didn't have all this technology. They didn't have metamaterials. They didn't have, you've got these ancient civilizations drawing the same sacred geometry and almost having figured out certain forms of energy that we don't even fathom now, or who knows way of life or how they move these giant stone blocks and all this stuff like, uh, but just probing at these questions opens your mind it, and mm -hmm. somebody watching this, even if you're not the one that figures it out, that could be somebody watching this is just like, oh, and it's a missing piece to their puzzle or whatever. And that's what all this is about is just boiling it down to the raw truth, getting to the bottom of it and seeing what we learn on the journey there. You know, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the vibe for me just makes so much, so much sense. Like, I, you know, I, I just, there's, I, I won't, I won't write off anything now like seriously man like i i'm i'm you can't you won't figure anything out if you if you aren't open to the idea that maybe you don't have everything and i yeah. hope that this is like inspire somebody else to do you know and but i'm gonna make it happen you know i'll stick know my are. reputation as a psychopath on it i feel like it man every time i come over and look i'm like dude and when i try to wrap my head around the logic and every time i talk to you I'm like you act like you want to be crazy but you're not crazy man like <laughs> the stuff that you're talking about seems like it fits with even like stuff that i've seen flying around and it's and getting tired right answer the questions when I try to throw it into, you know, what is it like when I go to sleep at night? How do I, what are these out of body experiences that I have when I do the gateway meditation programs and everything that you're talking about doesn't sound crazy to me. And I'm looking at it from some really radical points of views and approaches, you know, like mystical, almost shamanistic points of view that I'm coming at these same kind of questions, you know, like, is it possible if it is consciousness based at the, at the substrate of all this, then, 
do we even need a device? Can we do this just with our with our mind and our soul and with our own perspective and our own point of view? Can we set our sails and transcend this? Is this what the yogis were teaching? And same way, I might not be able to teleport or turn invisible or travel through space time, but I'm, I'm trying using my own mind. Dude, you lost using... 200 pounds through consciousness alone. Yeah. Like, I, I know. That tell I've, everybody that. That is amazing. Yeah, I've definitely manifest different realities for myself using the power of my mind and consciousness and meditation and manifesting things. And I know that I know that's a lot of jargon comes along with baggage and stuff, but uh, there's something to there's even the I always get this word wrong. A piezoelectric. Is that what it's called? Piezoelectric, you, yeah. Piezoelectric. Yeah. There's a piezoelectric effect that even happens within the brain and consciousness. And they know that when you're concentrating, even if you think of a bright light in your mind, they can measure uh, photons coming out of the brain and off of the mind and out of the human body. You emit like photons and electrical signals and things. And if you start to ramp up the power of your own human mind and consciousness and use specific techniques and use hemisync and uh, there, you know, you can almost Dude, use your consciousness to cheat the laws of reality. That's exactly what you're doing. Let me, yeah. let me just, let me just interpret it through sonic gravity. Okay. So through your meditation and through your rituals of, of, you know, I don't know what it's called, but what you're doing if you if it's you, very specifically is the gateway method that they used at the monroe institute and i have friends that have adapted it to be actually effective because the cia came in and put uh seat belts on the whole thing so I anyway leave it yeah so the same way that the neuron density of the hummingbird causes its time to slow accelerates mm -hmm. its metabolism its heart beats when it's awake, 1,250 beats a minute. And when it's sleeping, it beats 60. So in physics, if that's right, that we're consciousness on the surface of the black hole and our, our neural activity competes with time for energy on the surface of the black hole, if you are doing things that are energizing and exciting more of your neurons, you're really stealing energy away from time, which slows your time down and elevates your metabolism. That is a fact. Suddenly if, having past yeah. life experiences or meeting versions of your future self, giving yourself advice and going into other realms, man. Yeah, dude. And <laughs> at the very least, you could be slowing your time, which elevates your, which I mean, like the hummingbird, elevates your metabolism. And so your consciousness... And this is like, I'm not talking about like, like foo-foo, like sensitivity. I'm talking about the science. I'm talking about the physics of your consciousness could slow your time down, which relative to the flow of time increases your metabolism and burns your fat. Yeah. In some ways, okay. your mental exercises might be increasing your metabolism in the physics. Like that's just fucking amazing. And you've lost 200 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, I was 400 pounds. And when I uh, when I learned meditation, I was like at, at a wall, at a wall. I couldn't lose. I would just go up and down and up and down. And when I learned meditation and transcendental meditation and different forms of it, it put me at a level of consciousness and honesty within myself that it literally shifted my reality. And I 
it's I'm not even the same person. Like God, you could sell that, dude. Seriously, no. the physics of weight loss, whatever you're doing, is obviously elevating the activity of your neurons, which is slowing your time and jacking up your metabolism, dude. And like, even the even the perception is, of what I'm doing when yeah. I physically am trying to lose weight and I go exercise or any of that and I go through the process, the meditative mindset is like, oh, like next thing I know, I'm like, oh, my workout's done. And it was an hour longer than I thought because you're literally stepping out of almost like stepping out of your own body and letting reality move along on its own. And then you come back to awareness and it's all taken care of and you're amped up and your body's sweating like crazy. I also have to be careful I don't hurt myself because you can become so disassociated with like the exercises that you're doing. You realize, man, I wrenched my shoulder and I was in such a flow state. Like I was completely almost in another reality during this time. It's just like feeling positivity and feeling visualizing so vividly the final result that it's like you're jumping forward to like every step forward is actually jumping into this other dimension and when your mind takes a quantum leap forward it's all of a sudden like you're there and you've lost all this weight and you feel like you didn't even have to do it almost uh it's it's bizarre man (laughs) i've had some really like incredible things happen when i started to explore all of this and um really cool one last question here brad uh what is next for the vag so what when are you going to try and turn it on when is this going to happen and how can people find you to stay in touch with what you're doing on all your experiments? Okay. So I just finished like my 10 page paper. Cause there's this gravity research foundation. And like, I think in March or whatever, or February, the papers are due and I made a 10 page paper. It's on my blog. It's a uh, W it's like um, www.sonic hyphen. Yeah, there it is. Gravity.com. And so it's on there on my blog. I've just finished that. I need to just tweak it a teeny bit, maybe put some more endnotes in it. But um, but so now I'm shifting to the vag construction. I have all of the components I need, all the contacts I have. I'm like ready to go and 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 build it. Um, and so now I just need to find some time. Uh, you know, Milo Ashley's dog died. And so, you know, I had to like, had to kind of shelve like some plans, you know, to like, you know, take care of business while she, you know, uh, got herself back together and everything. And um, she's on the mend. And so pretty, I'm looking to build it. And then, and it's going to be so badass. I got that amp. I got, I got these, these like resistors and everything. And I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be firing it up. I'm going to have an oscilloscope and there's going to be like a readout on it and shit. It's going to be fucking awesome. And, uh, and so, and it's going to rip, I mean, it's 160 billion times more powerful. So, um, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. I'm going to start building it. I'm probably thinking, um, I'm thinking maybe three weeks or so I could probably have it all done. Yeah. So, um, so the big thing is I got to cut that spinner. It's really, it's like, uh, now I make them out of, uh, a computer, like motherboard board. Mm. and uh, i etch it the copper and everything and so it just takes a little bit to to cut it and get it square or get it nice and and round and stuff so i'm gonna fire that up and when i do man i'm gonna man i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show you i'm gonna come over i'm gonna 
I'm gonna crash your your podcast, and I'm gonna be like, Dude, we're all we're all here on the we'll we will all hear on the news that there a house yeah. just like flew into the air in a ball of light and yeah. disappeared, and then you'll yeah, if something off. explodes on the east coast, a nuclear bomb, you'll know it was me. Next thing you know, you'll look out your window and you'll be over the ocean, and you'll realize, oh no, I'm the Tic Tac, right? <laughs> <laughs> what have yeah. I done? No. We're all crash, and I'll be like, oh, this is Roswell, 1947, and then I splat right we better so, cover this up and say that it was aliens yeah. or something right he's well, right brad this has been a, a stellar conversation man we covered so much ground we talked about a bunch of stuff everybody needs to go follow brad at sonic gravity on instagram you've got like a facebook page right you've got like mm. the whole shebang and a website so i put the website down in the links below make sure and check him out everybody thanks so much everyone for your comments and for the super chat that was really awesome to experience i had such a good time tonight and uh let's do this again brad you want to do it yeah, again? yeah definitely Carl. man i love you it's great uh, talking to you i love you too you're like a brother to me man and uh, yeah. i always feel like my life is better and i'm closer to home when we have these talks and i learn so much oh, dude I, I appreciate you so you guys until next you, time man. we'll see you guys in the next one